and welcome to the one one. I am BJ Ryan, episode one hundred and twenty, sponsored by Betfair. Don't bet harder, bet smarter at Betfair. We're recording this episode from the Hen House Studios in Osmond Park, and alongside me is former one one rising star, now Tab Radio rising star Riley Morgan. G'day, mate. G'day, BJ. Good to be back. Welcome back. Been a bit of a while since I've been on here, but uh, I've been looking since I got the uh, since I got the late call up for a bit of uh, Terry Layton general soreness <laughs> yesterday. Uh, yeah. I was very excited to come on for well, sure. Terry Layton's come off a c- career best performance last Saturday, um, but he is a, he is a, it was a scratching general soreness has ruled him out of uh, episode one hundred and twenty. He'll be back soon, but uh, I think that general soreness might have been a carryover from uh, Saturday night. <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon? <laughs> potentially, potentially. <laughs> so. Uh, now, Riley, you've been a busy man since the last time we, we caught up with you here at uh, the WA Racing Podcast. What's happening in Riley Morgan's world? Yeah, doing some work down at uh, TAB Radio at the moment. Uh, loving that, working with a very good bunch of racing people that makes going to work every day far easier. You're the likes of Richard Bell, Matty Young does the uh, does the, the harness racing, Wes Cameron, who you know quite well. Yep. It's been, uh, been really good to get in and amongst down there, down at Rawa. Very good. So you're doing, and I saw you, you've got a slot on SEN as well. Yes, I do. I have a slot on SEN on Thursday mornings pretty early. So maybe a bit too early for most of the uh, podcast listeners, <laughs> but for those that like to get up and get to work early and have some brekkie, uh, yeah, Thursday mornings we have a quick sort of five to 10 minute seg- segment at 6.45am on SENWA. Very good. What else is going on? Like you do, you got uni still, or have you finished? What's happening? Almost finished uni. I'm yeah. in my final couple of units to go before I finally. It feels like an eternity. Graduate uh, from Notre Dame with a uh, with hopefully a couple of degrees. Not sure where we'll go with that yet, as I think most people when they leave uni. But yeah, just looking forward to getting out of uni and getting rid of those hex hex bills that keep coming <laughs> in. <laughs> and finally, man. I think what everyone wants to know is what uh, what's happening with your footy career, mate. Where are we at? We've uh, made the trip across to the uh, Subiaco Lions this season. I was looking looking at a change of scenery moving forward for this year, so I'll be with Subiaco for the next couple of years. And so you just slid across the other side of the Golden Triangle, did you? That's it. That's yeah. it. We've uh, it's now nah, it's been really good. Really enjoyed getting down to Subi. It's a great club, and yeah. we've had a pretty solid preseason. And the boys are fit and firing for a waffle season, which could be a bit of a strange run with all yeah. the uh, with all the COVID stuff that's happening at the moment and players missing through COVID and what. That entails when players get sick during the season. It's going to make for a very interesting season, that's for sure. Very good. Uh, when's round one? Round one is Easter weekend. Okay. Uh, April 16th, I believe. Yeah. We have South Fremantle, the grand final rematch at home. So ah, we're cool. at Leadville Oval on yep. the Easter Saturday. Very good. So you've slotted in nicely at Subi? Yeah, loving it. Loving it. Um, they're, they're, they're a great bunch. So I'm yeah. um, looking forward to getting out and playing some games now. We've, uh, we've finally got through that tough period of preseason and we're now at a stage where we can start playing games and we're into normal season training, which everyone loves and enjoys far more than doing running and sprints and stuff like that. So yeah, looking forward to getting back into the normal swing of things. Very good. Now I tried to drum up a conversa- a dream team conversation with the guru on uh, last week's edition. How'd your team go? Round one. Oh, it's chaos, isn't it? <laughs> Far out. <laughs> Round one, you've got premiums underperforming. I mean, Jack Crisp. What, like, mate, Please. he's running around like a headless chook. Grow up. Grow up, Jack, Jack. Crisp. <laughs> Pay up 800K and you dish up a 51, 61 or 51, whatever yeah. it was, even yeah. worse. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, nah, I was in a similar similar bracket. Did okay, first up from a 10-year hiatus, but uh, it was good to get back into it. But probably not another obsession I really needed in my life, just quietly to go along with Arabic horse racing and uh, and that. So, uh, yeah, I've had to squeeze in AFL fantasy dream team, but uh, it's good fun. Yeah, I can't wait for the teams to come out tonight and my whole bench has been dropped. So. <laughs> did you did you go to the Eagles on Sunday? I did. Yeah, I did I go to the Eagles yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, my cousin made his debut on the weekend, Brady Hoff. So, uh, is that your cousin? Yeah, that is my cousin. Oh, so really? we had the whole family whole family down there on Saturday. It was a it was a good day. Yeah, yeah right. So the, most of his family lived down in, down in Harvey, so they've all come up for the game as well. He did well. He did. He had a crack. Yeah. He had a crack. Yeah, and a that's crack. all you can ask for from a very – Needs to put on a little bit of size, but he's only 18 and he's inexperienced. So I thought he had a real crack on Davo for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think really enjoyed watching I thought, him. I, so I went along with my dad and my daughter, Isabel. We sat behind the goals in the uh, the Gold Coast cheer squad end of the ground. Can't have been too many of those. No, it was, it was pretty light on, for, but that's okay. Um, but I uh, had a really good day. Like I didn't have high expectations. I think it was just good to get back to Optus Stadium watching footy. Yeah, yeah it was. And it was, it was just good to see the guys have a go, you yeah. know, like we were undermanned. It was always going to be tough for us to, and if we had a one, it would have been one of our great wins, I think. Yeah, it was so. a pleasant It was a pleasant surprise yeah. how competitive we were on the weekend given the team we had on the park. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so it's going to be a long year for, for West Coast, but uh, I it's think just, there is some pain to come. Yeah, it's just, sure. it's just good to be, to, to have footy season back. We love it, and uh, it's good to get along to Optus because it's um, it's just, yeah, it's the best, isn't it, Optus Stadium. Um, now, back to racing. We've uh, we had our two Karakata Plate lead ups, final lead ups. Actually, not final lead ups because we got a nice little two rod race on uh, Saturday that we'll get to in the preview. We but do. we had the Jim Crack Stakes and the Perth Stakes. First of all, Jim Crack Stakes, Amelia's Jewel. Is it Karakata all over? Look, I, I think so. Mm. I do think so. Um, that was just stunning. That yep. victory wasn't it on the weekend, and for Simon Miller, who's who's pretty well renowned for being the king of the kids for him to come out and say that maybe she's the best two-year-old I've ever put a saddle on. That's pretty telling in terms of the opinion that he has of her. So I don't think even barrier 15 or 16 of 16 on the day can be beating her. I think she's just one of the smartest, most talented two-year-olds I've seen in my life so far and think that she's definitely got a stranglehold on the Karakata plate. Yeah. I mean, look, it did the sort of the shape of the race set up nicely for her despite drawing 11, but peeling and letting down the, in that fashion that she did just, uh, let, you know, it was incredible really. So Simon A, he's um, pressure's on to hold her together until grand final day, but uh, he's one of the best in the business. So no doubt that um, he $1, won't $1, hit. $1.85 now all in markets. 185 185 okay. uh, It feels like we'll get to the Perth Stakes in a moment, the Colts and Geldings. Um lead up. It feels as though it's like a only really, really bad luck is, is can can topple Amelia's jewel. Um, like massive traffic issues, I think, because she's just she's so fast and that turn of foot can get her out of a jam if she needs to. But and just the way that Paddy Carberry's riding at the, at the moment is incredible. So calm. So so com- he's confident his confidence is sky high at the moment and he just he just read the play there, blended in at the at the rear of the field, three wide on Amelia's jewel, kept her balanced and happy, and when she peeled, went whoosh. Like, it feels as though it's just massive traffic problems are the only thing that can really get in her way. In saying that, though, so Amelia's jewel, she knocked off Costume Party and Penny on the Coast. I thought Costume Party was pretty good, three wide, no cover the entire, boxed on into, um, into second there. But um, 
um, really that she's got the Phillies well and truly covered. So then we move to the Perth Stakes and Luke Fernie got the chockies here with left the building in the final stride, getting over the top of Street Parade. I thought there was a couple of nice runs behind that in Kostya's Crown, all the King's men. Notably, the, the Colts went just a fraction quicker uh, for the 1,100 metres at Ascot last Saturday. What did you make of the Colts gathering submission? Interesting you touch on those two runs, the two probably noticeable runs in behind the winner left the building in Costa's crown and all the King's men. For me, I just personally think that the 1,200 metres of the Karakata might even still be a little bit too sharp for those two runners. I wonder if, and they, I'm I wonder looking, if they're going to get a run. Well, I'm probably looking towards what I was trying to – yeah. Th- yeah. That's that's also another interesting they might question. Be, uh, they might be borderline, yeah. But I think all the King's men and Costa's crown look quite nice size horses. So the size produce over the 1,400 metres, I think, especially all the King's men, I reckon all the King's men looks <laughs> like – he profiles really well for a race of that nature. So they're probably the two I was looking at out of that race heading towards not the Karakata but the Sires. So, but the Karakata, I think, left the building was great in winning. But even though uh, the race was faster on the clock, I don't think that left the building has that dynamic turn of foot that Amelia's Jewel possesses. Can, can go with Amelia's Jewel, yeah. To be honest, like, it's a pretty good bunch of babies, really. I'm, I'm you know, we, she's a, she's a keeper. She's a keeper? No. She's a belter. She's a belter, as, uh, is in Sydney now. So she was the our Magic Millions winner, so we lost her. She's over in New South Wales with uh, with the Snowdens. But there's still a really good batch here. And, and there was a couple of smart horses that, that raced at Ascot yesterday. Did you watch the uh, – did you manage to catch the trial of She's a Belter over there? No, I missed it. Yeah. How'd, how'd she go? Really nice. Yeah. Really okay. nice trial, I think, from what I've heard, is they're going to go to the Percy Sykes first up over 1,200 metres yep. over there. And there's been some support. She's been $67 all in markets at one stage into $21 now at the moment. So off the back of that trial, I think that – given the strength of our two-year-olds over here and probably the the lack thereof over in Sydney from what we've seen so far and in Melbourne, that she'll probably measure up quite well, I think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, so the two horses, Baby Paris and uh, Sweep the Leg, that raced Ascot midweek yesterday. I wonder whether Colin Webster is going to push onto a Karakata plate with Baby Paris. So uh, interesting. They're, they're both really nice horses. And then, of course, we've got this, this two-year-old race on Saturday, where uh, Rev It Up um, clashes with a couple of first starters in Swear to God and All Show, and I wonder whether whoever wins that, whether it's one of the uh, debutants, will try and squeeze their way into a quick backup into a Karakata plate next Saturday as well. Yeah, you'd think from what uh, was said post-race yesterday that Colin Webster would be heading to the Karakata with Baby Paris, who I thought sweep the leg had cold at yeah. one stage there at the, probably the 200 yesterday, but kicked back to win really nicely. I thought there was plenty of pressure on up front, but absorbed it really well and kicked away and got the nose back in front. Yeah, it looked like it just didn't corner all that well. I noticed no. it, it had the three 400-metre barrier trials, and then when it cornered on the 1,100-metre Ascot, circuit yesterday it sort of wobbled and looked like it was uh lost its way there for a while and you're right sweep the leg looked like it was home didn't it mm-hmm. and then baby paris is uh has fought back and won like a smart horse so yeah like we're it's going to be hard to get a run in the Karakata. so i think horses Especially like all the king's men and uh cautious ground and even playhouse patron they might be sort of struggling to squeeze their way in so we'll see how the field shakes out yeah especially when you consider that there's a couple of what look to be a couple of nice ones going around this Saturday as mm. well. So there's, I think there's still a little bit more to play out there for the uh, for the Amelia's Jewel undercard. Who's uh, So who would be making up the rest of the market there, Riley? Just bring it up on from a futures point of view. So we've got Amelia's Jewel currently 
185. Who's uh, who, the building next? is at seven dollars, and left the building is the only other runner under double figures. It then goes to Street Parade at 10, Capricorn Man at 12, Baby Paris has been supported after yesterday into 12 dollars, and Man Crush is there at 13 as well. Capricorn Man, we didn't mention Capricorn Man, so okay, very good. So that's the uh, character plate, which we'll be doing the deep dive on next week's edition of the 1 1. So that was uh, that was some good racing for the juveniles there last Saturday, and then we had uh, the Grandstand Cup was the other feature and uh, um, good yeah. win another Simon A horse. So um, it was a pretty good performance rolling along out in front, wasn't it? By uh, Son of a God, it was. Mm. It was. Uh, I don't think it's pretty generous calling it a feature the mm. Grandstand Cup, given we had the uh, the two year old races last weekend. It was a bit of a glorified seventy eight plus, but. Son of a God did get a well-deserved win last weekend with a nice ride from Brad Parnham. Went fast too. The track was hot at Ascot last Saturday. So they've, um, Son of a God's run 128 for the 1,500 metres, and that's moving. So even some of the races on the undercard were very quick for their grade. So uh, rail back to the true last week with the Easterly in play. I noticed that breaking down the sectionals using the Vincent Cardi data was every race was – from the 800 metres onwards, just heated up big time. Like it was the jockeys well and truly, those in front well and truly wanted to make the most of the uh, the conditions of the day with the easterlies and the fast track. So, it, um, yeah, it was it, made, it was conducive to very fast racing and and it it, uh, it showed up on the clock. So it was no surprise that when a lot of horses sort of went along benchmark-ish, a little bit below to the 800 and then really ramped it up from the 8 to the 4, so, um, yeah, so some of those races, so look out for some of those horses working home uh, against the pattern as well. Yeah, we've been used to those fast, firm tracks the last probably six weeks at Ascot now, and we could get very different conditions according to the forecast on Saturday, which yeah. could be interesting. Rain? 10 to 25 mils forecast on Saturday. Right. So uh, it, could be, uh, it could be wet with uh, rain expected throughout the day, but as you know, the weathermen can get it wrong from time <laughs> to time. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, all right, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll get to that shortly. A um, bit of a sore point here, Riley. Did you chime in on the Utgard Loki set up in the, uh, was it the Bunbury Cup? Yes, I did. I sure did. I got involved at the uh, at the early early price of $19, which I thought looked a very nice price. Do you think uh, you should have won? I'm not going to say should have won. Oh, yeah, I thought he should have won, yeah. I'm going to say that. It was just a sickening watch. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, what we're getting to is that Utgard Loki for uh, you for those had, playing along at home. You could not have had enough on once they straightened yeah. for home. This was in the Southwest Autumn Cup on uh, on uh, Sunday at Pinjarra, and Utgard Loki got the got the win after being a bit stiff and sup from the Bunbury Cup. Utgard Loki knocked off True Attraction, who was absolutely flying. So Adam Durant with the Quinella there. Couple of roughies, Queen takes King, and he's a Parker filling the uh, the uh, the first four, third and fourth there. So um, they tried to. It's been amazing what True Attraction's been able to do yeah. since they tried to sell, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I think he was one of the one of the uh, yeah, horses he was. for sale. So uh, most of those will no doubt head towards the Pinjarra Cup, which is uh, coming along very soon. So Walkard Loki got that feature win that he probably deserved because he's he's. He's enjoying a really, really good preparation for Adam Durant. Yeah, before, he's fine. Yeah, before we move into the preview, uh, interesting development with Kiss on All Four Cheeks in Sydney for Dan Morton. So she is still in the Emancipation Stakes 
Rose Hill this Saturday, but speaking to Dan during the week, he was just a little bit conscious of copying another seriously heavy Rose Hill, a tired Rose Hill as well, because I think this will be three sad days in a row. So his thought process is if the rain does come and it's a heavy, heavy Rose Hill uh, emancipation stakes this Saturday, he's going to scratch and then go into the Doncaster Handicap with 51 kilos $3 million Doncaster handicap, 51 kilos next Saturday. Yeah, it's probably the smart option, especially if they get uh, a sort of track they've been getting over the last few weeks. It's been heavy on heavy over there in Sydney. So I did see that Kiss on All Four Cheeks had accepted for the emancipation. I think it's a group two for the Phillies and Mares over there, over the 1,500 metres on Saturday. But I would be very surprised at this stage if... Dan Morton does run her on the weekend. I'd yeah. probably be more surprised than not if they run on the weekend, given the potential that it could cause some issues moving towards the the ultimate grand final in the Doncaster. So I'll be surprised if she runs, but hopefully her and Danny go well over there in Sydney because we'll be cheering her on from here in WA. I think the biggest issue with the Doncaster is finding finding someone to ride the weight. So mm-hmm. if she's got 50 kilos, she got 50, and then she got a kilo penalty for her win at Flemington the other day. So one kilo, she's got 51 kilos. So there's been a few names floating about. So I think he's just got to make a decision on which on what he wants to do riders wise. If she does run in the Doncaster and goes well, um, I think that she would she'll definitely be going around the following Saturday in the million dollar. Queen of the Turf, which is a wait for age for a mares race. Where, uh, so in the Doncaster and the Queen of the Turf, that's what I thought was yeah. the uh, the target. The Queen, the Queen of the, the Turf, Turf yeah. but he's he's mentioned going to the Doncaster. That's yeah, so I think yeah. So the uh, just the fact that he he he's just cautious of racing on that really tired Rose Hill this that day. But Doncaster Mile, Queen of the Turf, kiss on all four cheeks, could be clashing, or will more than likely now be clashing with. Bob Peters owned Inspirational Girl. Mm. So William Pike has been booked to ride to reunite with Inspo in the uh, in the Doncaster. She's down in the weights as well, 51 or 52 as well. She's coming off a sixth in the All-Star Mile last Saturday. A bit of a funny old race, that wasn't it? They bloody walked and not a lot happened there, but Zaki dominated. So we could have two WA representatives in, the, in two big group ones coming up over the, uh, the Sydney Carnival. So kiss on all four cheeks versus Inspirational Girl. You'd think that'd be good chances as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So just hopefully the probably Sydney can get a bit of a break. They've right. just had just so the much sun. they've had so much rain. They've just been walloped over there. But uh, that's something to look forward to for us WA racing fans anyway, too. Group one mares in kiss on all four cheeks, inspirational girl flying the flag over there. So looking forward to seeing how all that plays out. But Riley, let's have a look at this WOX Day card, eh? Let's do it. Okay, it's time to partner with Betfair and preview W.O. Oaks Day. BJ Ryan and Riley Morgan are teaming up to record episode 120 of The One One. This is your WA Racing Podcast. It is just before 12 noon on Thursday, the 24th of March. We've got some scalp side action. Pinjarra today. Mount Barker tomorrow. That's Friday. Ascot and the grand opening Kalgoorlie meeting of the season this Saturday. And the weekend wraps up on Sunday with Northampton Cup Day from the Crayfish Coast on at uh, Geraldton. So uh, plenty of racing to look forward to over the next four days. Riley. Certainly looking forward to it. There's obviously been plenty of racing, especially with Pinjarra today, as well as a nine-race card at Pinjarra. So we are not short on racing in WA here, are we, at the moment? Kalgoorlie's rolled around already. So, yeah, the, we're uh, really hurtling through 2022. Won't be long before the Northwest kicks off as well with uh, Broome and Port Hedland and Carnarvon. So it's all it's all happening, Riley Morgan. 
Stay tuned throughout the show for info on how you can enter the Market City Meets Get Out Stakes competition. And don't forget the Mundaring Hotels WA Racing Mastermind. Today we've got heat number three of our jockey versus trainer tournament mm. with representing the jockeys, Chris Parnham, up against our trainer, Sarah Childs. Looking forward to that one, BJ. Bit of a stitch up, isn't it? Childs is coming off uh, first up first on up. debut against uh, Chris, who's who's quite a wizard when it comes to his WA racing and he's trivia. Got the, uh, he's got the run under the belt. Yeah, he's got a couple of runs well. under the belt. Yeah, Lockie Taylor got Chris early, and then, he, uh, then Chris was able to uh, get the better of his mate, Geordie Turner, in one of our grudge matches. So... Um, yeah, looking forward to this one. But, uh, yeah, I think we've – Sarah was uh, brave enough to put up her hand to have a crack. So we'll see how she goes because Chris is very sharp, very sharp when it comes to his knowledge of WA racing and uh, and uh, facts, figures, history, all that kind of stuff. So uh, looking forward to our market, our Mundaring Hotel WA Racing Mastermind this week. Okay, so we've got WA Oaks Day, Ascot. Saturday, the twenty sixth of March, in the um, in the preamble to the, the uh, to this podcast, we spoke about the potential for rain this Saturday, Riley. So, which could throw a cat amongst the pigeons when it comes to, especially if it comes heavy while the races are on. So, keep an eye on the uh, on the uh, on the weather weather forecast for the day and um, yeah, adjust accordingly. But at the moment, we've got the rail in the uh, the three meter position. They're still expecting a maximum of twenty eight degrees, but Things will um, and with uh, we've got sort of slight easterlies around, but um, the the chance of rain is high, and when it comes, it's going to make things very interesting. Yeah. So at the moment, the weatherman tells me that Saturday is a showery day, ten to twenty five mils of rain, with the chance of any rain at ninety percent. So there's a very high chance of showers that will go on throughout the day, is what I have here. Okay. So yeah, that's going to be very interesting from. Uh, from a uh, uh, on from on onlookers' point of view, so yeah, the uh, it's interesting because the track was so hard and so fast last Saturday. So uh, a bit of rain around. It's just going to see w- uh, how well it holds together. Especially as I said, if it comes down while the races are on, if it sort of comes, if most of it comes down before the meeting starts, that's probably a good thing. But usually, when it comes while the meeting is in full swing and the horses get stuck into it. And it could make for a bit of a choppy ascot, but we'll wait and see how all that plays out. All right, without further ado, let's get rolling on our WA Oaks Day preview. BJ Ryan and Riley Morgan, race one of the day. We already sort of mentioned a little bit about this two-dog contest, but it's a ripper to kick things off. It's the Amelia Park play over the 1,000 metres, 12.22 bounce down. Current favourite is the top weight, rev it up. Three wins from four starts, very fast horse from the Dion Luciani. Uh, probably the number one seed from the two odd ranks pre-Christmas, um, and we have. It's interesting that we've. It's been so long since we've seen her. Would have thought she might have stepped out in the supremacy or the gym crack, but uh, rev it up is our uh, is our current favourite. And um, but there is a few um, few nice horses in this race. It's going to be a really good clash to start things off. Exactly right. Yeah, I think um, I think rev it up was probably one I expected to go around there in the one of the thousand meter lead up races for the Karakata, but we haven't seen her at the races for a little while. She's had a bit of time off and she's just this pure speed two-year-old that has runs on the board over the short course here at Ascot. And probably if you're looking at, if we're looking at a map, I doubt anything here has that early speed to hold her out returning here. First up, no trial. 
I mean, look at her look at her form over the thousand meters so far in her career. She's spanked costume party in Santorio, who yep. are a couple of very handy two year olds. And yeah, she's got to lug a little bit of extra weight here to what she has been carrying, but I don't think it'll make too much difference over this over the trip and Well have just a, have a look at all her form. She beat Snowdome, who started a favourite in the Perth Stakes last Saturday on debut, and then ran second to Man Crush, left the building, ran third in the Crystal Slipper Stakes. Then usually most two-year-olds would go out after that, but Dion Luciani, uh, who's a bit of a wizard with these um, with these babies, he's uh, he kept Revit up going, and she won uh, by four and a half lengths, very fast time there for the 1,000 metres on the 4th of December, and backed up two weeks later in that $125,000 Westby Platinum two-year-old race and uh, defeated Costume Party, as Riley mentioned. So all the form around her and all the times are quite exceptional, really. Really exceptional when yeah. you consider that we've – since she's been to the races, we've had these two-year-olds come and race over the 1,000 metres at Ascot, and they've been running times of the likes of 59, one minute, yep. not even breaking the minute for the 1,000-metre course. So she's just, a, she's just a ripper. She's got speed on speed, and it's a perfect example of horses for courses. Okay. So is there any way she doesn't find the front here, Ryan? I don't think so. So she jumps I, from seven? She jumps from seven. Yep. I think I'm pretty confident that Brad Parnham will – go forward and just try and find the fence, which is her customary role and what she's shown is her strength in the past. But there is a couple of debutantes who no doubt will attract some attention off their trials and a couple that look to have a fair bit of speed. Well, one in particular that looks to have a fair bit of speed out of the gates. Tell me more, tell me more. As well, I've loved the trials of Swear to God for Rusty Stewart. This is a cult by playing God and his three trials to date have been terrific in displaying a high, sustained, almost at times effortless speed and a durability in that he's led a trial and won while he's also been able to take a sit and zap them under very light riding in one of his trials as well so that's a durability you like to see for a horse especially a young horse as a two-year-old and I think that he looks a very smart professional colt and from the draw he's got the early speed to potentially if Revit Up is vulnerable to be fast enough early to find that spot in behind and stalk her every move so I think if if swear to god was able to find the back of Revit Up in the run then it's going to make for some interesting viewing late. Yeah I agree and Sean McGrady would have had the option to ride Swear to God or Export Girl for his because uh, he's a number one rider for Steve Wolf, of course, and he's rolled with Russell Stewart and Swear to God. Uh, that trial win on the 14th of March, Lactar really didn't do a lot on Swear to God. It was kind of it was very soft, wasn't it? Very soft. Very soft. So the 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 trial on the 1st of November last year was soft as well. Yeah, if we go back that far when. Um, Sean McGrady was in the saddle that day. It was a it was a soft win as well. Okay, so who's the other who's the other first starter that we want to focus on? I think there's a bit of spruik around this all show. Yeah, um, the draw barrier nine probably means they're likely made to drop out. But the two trials to date, this horse looks to have a serious engine. Goes good. And I, my personal feeling is there might be a touch sharp for her over the thousand meter trip. But she looks to be one to follow out of what she does here on her first trip to the races. And if they do overdo it up top and it wouldn't surprise me if she's the one that is zapping them late so. or, un- or underdo it yeah or underdo, or it. underdo it. If it I don't think there's a world where Brad Parnham goes too slow and rev it up but if he does happen to give her a bit of a cuddle and they bunch that'll really set it up for a horse like all show to, to sort of whip into the race with momentum um, I just I can I can really see all show just like launching big time late I don't know whether she's gonna have enough runway but if the race shapes out in a in a suitable fashion, then all shows got the jets. I think that 
Ran second in that if her first trial behind Universal Flair, who's who's a nice enough horse in this race as well, um, was really good. And then to gun down Snowdome quite comfortably at La Cule, really pulling ground off Snowdome late, yeah, wasn't she? Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting. I see Sean O'Donnell's been been on board the two trials, and Sean's riding Nunez. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Chris Parnham is booked, of course, for All Show, but All Show was $110,000 yearling, so obviously a, a lovely a lovely horse. Um, Nunez th- has been in her own right trialling very well yeah, as N- well. Yeah, Nunez has got some ability. was very well supported on debut. I think Revit Up won that race. Yeah, so so in that race, 4th of December, Revit Up was 340 and Nunez was 370. So there's a bit of a SP profile there for Nunez. So interesting to see uh, how this plays out for Sean O'Donnell because, uh, yeah, just because they're the, the lucky grey colours as well that all show will be wearing. So no doubt he had an opportunity to ride her, but uh, maybe he's opted for for Nunez. So, yeah, we'll, um, might have to do a bit more research and to see how that all shook out. But, yeah. Rev it up, crosses leads, runs them along, and who are the only possibles you think that can run down? Rev it up. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna side up with Swear to God here mm. in race number one. I've loved the trials and think that from the draw, he has enough early speed to sit close to Rev it up and close enough to if he is good enough, be able to get over the top of Rev it up, who might be a little vulnerable first up off a spell late. So that's the way I'm gonna side in the first. I think I think if Rev, Rev it up. Uh, if Dion's got Revit up, tuned up for this, gee, she's going to be hard to catch. Three thirty seems like not a bad price to me. I I had Revit up. I was sort of flirting with the idea of three dollars. Ended up bringing her into two eighty five. Swear to God, all show both five dollars. I didn't didn't really have much of a view on the rest, even though you know your Universal Flare was quite a good run on top of the speed, but is backing up again. Um, uh, Nunez is is uh, is drawn nicely and is showing a bit. So. And there's a couple of others there that um, that that have a showing a bit of promise, but probably not capable of winning this race. For me, I think you're on the. I think it's a rev it ups to lose. But if she doesn't show up, then swear to God's going to be leaders back and pouncing or all show uh, sort of swooping late. Yeah, so, especially if they bunch on the corner. Yeah, so great race to kick things off for mine. I think if I think rev it ups a touch of value currently at the three thirty. I got a. 285, as I mentioned, and uh, rolling along in front, she's definitely the horse to catch. But really looking forward to it. It's an exciting uh, way to start a really good two-year-old contest. Moving on to race two, the Tab Touch Westby Platinum Autumn Series, 1,000 metres. Um, so, yeah, we've got a kind of an open race here. What's it, about $4, 450 the field, something yeah, like that, right? open betting race, this. Very open betting race, and my, my, my market reflects that. I'm sure your does as well. Yeah. Um, I guess Snippalicious is probably at the top of the market at the moment. So he, last prep, he had two trials, the one first up, and then we haven't seen him since. Uh, and then the, I think it was a Westby Platinum 1,000-meter race at Belmont as well. And he's going to go two trials into this 1,000-meter race at Ascot. So trying to repeat the same recipe that worked to success last preparation again um, this Saturday. But it feels like it might be a touch of a stronger contest. Uh, that day he knocked off Famous Journey and Pink and Grey, who were in this race as well. So it's a 
Snippalicious is uh, going to have plenty of admirers, but I was sort of thinking of playing around Snippalicious. I want to hear your thoughts on this race, Riley. Yeah, I have no doubt that the stable would have targeted this race here yep. for a first-up assault. Very similar to last prep. Comes off the back of two really nice trials. Went in first up, was able to get the best of Famous Journey on a wet track that day, which I don't think Snippalicious was overly suited to. What was the horse that... Um Lindsay Smith had that ended up with Gan Jamie's that ended Apple up. Schnapps. Apple Schnapps was in that race, wasn't Apple it? Schnapps yep. was in that race. Yeah. And yeah, I think that Snippalicious did certainly goes better on top of the ground. And there does look to be a fair bit of tempo here. Johnson Porter from Barrier Two should be able to just park up in behind the speed in the box seat and let it all unfold in front of him. And mm-hmm. if the gaps come, it does look like Snippalicious is definitely going to be thereabouts at the finish of the race. The $4, pretty open field here. I mark Snippalicious $4.40, so it's just a little bit under my price there. But I think this field is a little bit more deeper than that. Me too. So have you got Famous Journey Pink and Grey coming across and crossing Snippalicious? Is that what you're thinking? I do. I yep. do. I have Famous Journey and Pink and Grey coming across. And shock result you'd think will be pretty prominent as well if that horse is able to leave the barriers a little bit better than last start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a shock result sent back to trials. Um, and it's just so it's trials since he um, lost Stevie Parnham last start. Yeah, so Famous Journey comes across pink and grey. Snippalicious, I doubt whether they'll be – they might end up in front, Snippalicious, but I think if the other horses want to cross that, CJP will allow them he to. Will, I th- I'm, I'm confident he will allow them to cross if they are aggressive early. The horse I wanted to focus on was kind of outside – it's sort of – coming from a completely different jurisdiction, coming to town now, but I've always had a bit of time for this horse, premium choice. So uh, I see that uh, on Bradbet this morning, premium choice opened up at $12 and was chipped away at, and now currently while we're recording, five fifty on uh, on Bradbet. So um, a lot of other people have been impressed with what premium choice has done. Only the four starts so far uh, has a couple of Esperance wins under the belt. So let's talk a little bit about premium choice. So it's gone to um, Kareen Maynard has taken premium choice to Esperance in um, February la- uh, last year and won its maiden. Then it wasn't seen for over, tw- is that right? Over almost 12 months. Yeah. Uh, won first up uh, in a class two bolted in with Chris Nickel on board who was riding on Saturday. And then I thought that Sky Racing series heat performance was really good behind uh, Sniparana and, and Double Spice, Double Spice. has won a race in town on a Saturday very recently and ran, and ran second. second to Aracity at Pinjarra on Sunday. Yeah. Christy Bennett went back to la- uh, sort of almost last this year in a 10 horse field and then improved between horses and just didn't quite get that gap clean. She sort of mm. had to sort of a little bit of bumper cars to get through and then just kept coming on the line to be beaten only 1.1. When he poked through in that sky racing heat i thought it was all over yeah once uh, once she was able to get through that gap i thought gee this horse is traveling really well Mm. and then she wasn't able to take that gap cleanly and she was probably buffered a little bit approaching 200 so that maybe threw things off a little bit but i still thought that if the horse was good enough it had the chance once it did get through that gap to win that race and was spotting double spice a bit of weight i'm pretty sure off the top of my head double spice was carrying 61 or 60 kilos that day down in esperance so i I just thought just a young horse on the up now a lot of these horses sort of where they are aren't they really like they're sort of westby platinum regulars i thought premium choice might be a bit of a bring a different different form line a bit of a different reference to this race I just wonder whether the thousand might be a bit short for him, but 
Put to Sleep by Chris Nickel from one. If the gaps appear, I wouldn't be surprised to see Premium Choice make a big big run at them late. No, I like it. Mm. I like it, BJ. Yeah. I do. I do. Um, just one more horse I wanted to touch on uh, was Sioux City, who I thought was really good last start in that race, won by Silken Eyes. And this horse has a tendency to race very fierce at times, mm. and you won't find a better jockey change to help rectify an issue like that than Sean McGrady going on. And I think that the tempo here will complement that as well in that, in a fast-paced 1,000-metre race, a drop-back in distance will actually very much suit him as a result of his racing manners, getting to that sort of shorter distance, faster tempo, hopefully help him settle a bit better. And he maps for a terrific run here from Barrier 5 and could box seat or potentially grab the back of Snipperlicious. And from there, I think Sioux City isn't without hope here for Sean McGrady and Vern Brockman. $7.50 looks about bang on the right price. But if we see a, a drift there, I'm happy to get involved on Sioux City. Mm. There's obviously there's a couple that people are going to make strong cases for the top weight silken eyes, but he's going to have to come come from last whip around him. An absolute twelve out of ten last start. Seven, seven horse field as well the other day, so uh, was able just to get out there and get them in the last stride. And like a Jaguar, uh, Kesh Duran back to Chris Parnham, uh, just kept coming to be beaten on your long neck in that same race. A silken yeah, back eyes. to his pet trip as well. So he was four eighty the other day. He's got to be he's got to be a player, but I think that there's a there's a few genuine winning chances in this race yeah. but for me I, I, I'm I'm hoping that I was premium at, choice just gets out of touch from its 550 so yeah I was looking at like a Jaguar but he's just so up and down he's yep. just form just fluctuates and makes it a hard horse for me to trust and yeah being reunited with Chris Parnham is obviously great for the horse and improves his chances but I'm just I'm just not sold on how well he's going okay so Sioux City for Raleigh what are you thinking? Sioux City and Snipperlicious are the two that I'm looking at, and I'll probably – how I play this race will be adjudicated by the market late and how if we see a drift on Sioux City, I'll be happy to get involved. And if Snipperlicious gets out to longer than that $4.40 I've got him marked at, then I'll be interested in getting involved there as well. Yeah, I'll be long, I'll be jumping onto Betfair, uh, the exchange late, just to see what they're doing with premium choice, um, to see whether I can get a bit of uh, bit of meat on the bone there with that particular part. I was hoping for $6.00. Premium choice. I missed the the earlies with Brad Bet, but hopefully it might rebound and get out uh, to that or above that closer to start time. Okay, race three is the Let's Celebrate City of Belmont handicap. It's a graduation over the twelve hundred meters. We got I think we got three graduations on this card, and they all lack a little bit of depth, um, including the uh, including the last. Um, but we'll get to we'll get to the get out stakes in time. I don't know. Or for me, everything just looks like this is just speed dreams race to lose. However, how much trust do we have in speed dream as a winner? Very minimal. Mm. Very minimal. I mean, if you look at speed dreams run first up, last prep, ran second to secret plan. And if we look at the horses that he's beaten home that day, he's beaten home the likes of Comfort Me, Sassy Trader, Your Ways, Creator. And he hasn't just beaten them home. He's beaten them home with plenty in hand and beaten them home by a length or so. There was probably a length and a half back to third there on that day. And his strike rate just hurts, doesn't it? He yeah. just, he's been backed into favoritism on numerous occasions after that run last prep. And he just has disappointed the punters and, it's it's a hard hard horse to place, isn't he? Yeah, he's, but he, he the thing with the trainer uh, Rolly Piercy, he hasn't shied away <laughs> with this horse. Like he could, he hasn't taken the easy options. If you go back through 
Last winter, his race did a three-year-old handicap, ran third to Tom the Outburst Vane Tempest. At the time, they were they were going going well and uh, tough horses to beat in that grade. Then he's then he's ran into Real Charisma, Tom the Outburst third. He split those two. Then he's run second to Nobel Lawrence, Rain of Fire third. Then Spell come back, comes back, runs second to Secret Plan, like Riley said. Fourth to Pure Devotion and Big Screen. Second to Big Screen. Seventh that to God's huge run that day. Second, that second to big screen. Seventh to God has chosen Sun Sun, which was one of his better runs of the prep, and ran seventh, and then second to the great one where he looked like he had every chance to win that day. Deep into his prep, great one then came out and uh, sat three wide, no cover the entire, and won the Grandstand Cup at um, Pinjarra. So he sort of he's 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 run into some inform horses at that moment in time he hasn't had a lot of luck on on occasions and i think last prep he went 1200 to 1600 meters one once as well it was a funny prep he's a, gone 1200 to 16 yeah. back to 14 then back up to 16 yes yeah and then back to 14 again so last prep he's gone how many runs deep one two three four five runs deep for three seconds to yeah, secret plan, big screen, and the great one, and all those, all that form looks pretty good when you line him up against the other oh, other winning chances. Fantastic when yeah. you put it in a race of this depth. It yeah. looks far superior to anything. I think I've just convinced. I think I've just convinced myself. Oh, he should be. <laughs> he should just win this race. He should just win. Yeah, right. and, and especially drawn three, positive from from Fishy, especially with a bit of speed coming across. Drawn uh, three is good, but yeah. the key for me is, is is that Whiting has to keep him off the fence. Off the fence, yeah. He has to keep him off the fence. He's quite a big striding horse, so if Jason Whiting does get shuffled in, with look down the page, there's so many roadblocks in this field. I'd be yeah. very worried. I'd be very worried if he does get strung up on the fence there. So I think from barrier three, Whiting's first instinct will be, I have to keep this horse off the fence. I think he can probably drop in maybe three back, one off would be the perfect position. And from that position, he does look super hard that's, to beat, but a horse with a strike rate. He's one from 14. He's hard to trust, but he definitely is a standout in this field for sure. He stands out in a way that from a class point of view, but also hardest to beat for me, Alien from Mars is it got top weight and is going to have to come from last. Last start was just, Everything sort of was a bit of a birthday for for that particular horse when you think about it. Like he needs a lot to go right for him to win. Yeah, especially and if he wants to come out and go around the field. Yeah. Whereas so, last start, as you mentioned, he yeah. went through them and Chris Parnham gave an absolute perfect perfect steer. So. Perfect. Uh, everything opened up for him, was able to save ground, cutting through and uh, defeated Garage Days there by next. Who else Who else we got in the market? Critical Altitude. Is drops four kilos after a midweek second placing. He's going to roll forward from barrier 11. Does he cross and lead? Does he sit outside leader? Perhaps the Republican leads. Um, critical yeah. attitude, best best hope if he, if he can come across neat and find the friends in front. That'll but, be his best chance of winning for yeah. sure. Um, but other than that, there's just, I mean, Lord Augustus has that super new had form, um, which got oh. Frank yesterday with Michelada winning. So, um, I've just woken up from my new had <laughs> induced coma. <laughs> So uh, yeah, uh, must be must be pretty brave to knock off New Hatter. Would have thought Lord Augustus. So from a low draw, he's uh, he's going to be um, thereabouts. But in all seriousness, I think I think this is just a this is just perfect placement for Speed Dream to kick off his prep, get that start improving that winning record. Um, I was sort of two eighty uh, Speed Dream. I could have had him shorter. 
Could have had him maybe $3. What's the market telling us at the moment, Riley? What are we thinking? 275 at the moment for Speed Dream. I'm, yep. I'm $3.20 with the question marks around how genuine he really is. But he, for me, just looks the only horse that I could back in this field with I, any sort of confidence. I, it was one of those horses where you could have him 250 You could have had him. I could have had him 250 or $3. I kind of split the difference, 280 275-ish, uh, which is where he's at at the moment. I wonder if there's going to be enough people who don't, think he's a d- dependable betting proposition at that particular price and we can see maybe something with a three in front of it but I just don't know where as Terry likes to do I don't if you run through the field I just don't know where the money's going to come from so I imagine he's where probably, is the money going I th- you know I think he's unless there's critical altitude money maybe but I don't think so I think he's about right I don't think he'll start any lower than five dollars and all the rest are going to get longer so speed dream could end up being a two dollar fifty chance on Start times very so. easily could start two fifty maybe even shorter. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I, I really like Speed Dream as a horse, and I'd like to see Rolly Piercy have a bit of fun with this fellow as well. So, kept out of trouble by Jay Whiting from the from Gate Three first up. Really, all things being equal, Speed Dream should should be saluting. Just depends whether you want to chime in at, with uh, at a price with a two in front of it for a horse who's handing out the one win from fourteen starts. Okay, uh, race four, Riley. Is the Schweppes handicap over the mile? 72 plus here kicking off at 2:22 p.m. and this looks Should we skip this race or you actually no Tell me, tell me why we're not oh, skipping we can't this, skip this race, BJ. <laughs> of course. Oh, we cannot this, skip this, this race. Was this your best of the day, you reckon? I think this will certainly be my best of the day here. I think you'll struggle to find a better placed and better weighted horse on in a WA race this weekend than Buster Bash. I just thought last start Chrissy Bennett led them what I can only call a merry dance, mm-hmm. that that win during the week. Um, burned five lengths in front of the field early, has slowed right down and stacked them up mid-race before taking off again and absolutely bolted in. And I thought that mid-race slowdown to stack them up and then sprint away from them so convincingly was the most impressive aspect of that victory. I saw a bit of commentary on Twitter. No one was sure whether it was the worst ride ever or the best ride ever. Well, I've seen the, the figures and I don't know whether she stacked them up or whether they just caught up to her because it seemed like a pretty reasonable front running ride. She sort of, she was very, like showed her cards early and I think she caught the rest of the field by a little bit surprised by seeing being so positive. So they had to sort of like, but she, she definitely gave him a, a cuddle, but from the 800 onwards, it was handlebars down and he just crushed him, Buster oh, Bay, absolutely, absolutely crushed, crushed him. him. And that was 61 kilos down to 59 for Kay Bennett. On Saturday, what are we talking? 54 we talking down to 52. 52 kilos. Yeah. And Christy Bennett should just absolutely walk to the top here. I think that's the key. The key for this map is that Christy Bennett's not going to have any real opposition here. She's going to walk to the top. She dropped seven kilos on that last start effort and think that she's going to kick clear on the bend. And they're going to need to be very, very good to be running him down. She knows his horse so well by now. And I think that the mile is the perfect distance for him as well. So I think Buster Bash just looks so special here on the weekend. $2.70 is more than acceptable. I'm two twenty. Whoa. Riley's gone bang. Buster Bash. So the thing with Christine, I, I just think she just needs to mirror her ride from the other day. Like make your intentions early that you, you're, you're leading don't invite that pressure from potentially a sentimental queen or a horse like that. Don't even consider that to let that horse to give Lucy or sentimental queen uh, any any inkling that you might hand up. It's just lead, be confident in the horse's abilities, keep rolling and make them catch you with no weight on your back. It just has to be use your claim, 
ride the horse to his strengths and it's going to have to take something really a big effort from something to run it down. And then, and again, any rain will only be a blessing for yeah, Buster Bash. That's true. Only be a blessing if there's if there's rain around on Saturday. So I think that's that's going to play into if, his if, hands. If, if, for argument's sake, Buster Bash hits the wall and starts paddling with fifty meters to go, who are the horses that you can see emerge from the uh, from the chases to to make things interesting late? I just think this field is full of horses that have reached their mark this prep. If you look at the likes of obviously playing Marika's first up, it has to carry the 60 and a half. Friaresque is racing quite well. I thought Friaresque could be the one that from that leader's back position might be able to it, be uh, the it, testing It's a material. sort of horse who will make a run and then peak. I exactly. Yeah. Saleh has got the bar shoes on and has reached her mark this prep. Tin snip led last start and that w- wasn't able to work. Big butter booms on the three week back up for the third week in a row. He was good. He was really pretty good, good, yeah. And he's yep. probably the one that I could think maybe has the potential well, of running over him. Brad Willard dropped the reins and everything, and he still sort of won easy. So, yeah. Uh, Sentimental Queen's dropping back to the mile from the 2,100 metres. Tollman's been at the staying journeys as well. Crescent City, I think, is has been racing consistently, but I'm not sure he is good enough to, from Barry 9, be able to beat Buster Bash here on the – out in front with the 52 kilos. Yeah, where's where's the field position? Yeah, exactly. Born to tries, gone back to the trials mid-prep after racing at the 2,100 metres of staying trip. So if you look through this field, these all these horses, other than maybe Big Butter Boom, have reached their mark of this prep. And you've got playing Mariko, who's first up and obviously does her best work on the seven-day backup during a prep. I just think this looks – this just looks – It stands out. Just wins? <sighs> Frank. <laughs> Tell me, Frank? Frank Worrell. <laughs> Moral. <laughs> Frank Worrell. That's that's great. Love it. Frank Worrell, Moral, Buster Bash. You know, for me, the only there's the the random blowout horse in this is Born to Try. Actually, I think it's it's two runs before its mid trip prep trial were actually really good. It was really mid-trep, good behind Prep trial was excellent. I think this horse is is uh, bursting to run a race. Don't be surprised to see Born to Try running on into second and third behind. The, uh, the Frank Worrell, the Frank Worrell of the day in Buster Bash. Um, yeah, I tend to agree. I think it's thing uh, for me with that mid prep trial. Yeah, was uh, horse was ridden out over the fourteen fifty, but I was looking back through the field behind, behind him, and I a few honestly couldn't name. <laughs> Couldn't name any of these horses bar talented escape. I have not heard of any of these horses behind a Born to Try. Few battlers, yeah. So yeah, for me, uh, Buster Bash. Um, I'll let Riley take the reins here. That was uh, this looks a great setup, as you said. Good placement by D Harrison uh, using the claim of of Christy Bennett. It should be um, it should be uh, a not good a watch. difficult role, not a difficult ride. No, uh, very, very uncomplicated as long as he jumps, uh, jumps cleanly, rolls along, good luck running him down. If there's a mad sort of blowout type situation, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Born to Try with Joey as a party is, is running on into the placings. But it does look like a perfect setup for a horse on the way up in, in a front runner as well in the form of Buster Bash. And as Riley said last bit on this race, if there is any rain around, then it's just going to – like Buster Bash could end up – Swimmer. Could end up starting – those two, e- even those two money. wins on the those two wins on those heavy tracks were just devastating. Devastating. Okay, so yeah, looks like uh, looks like Buster Bash is the way to go there. Riley, let's take a break, and we'll be back with our jockey versus trainer mastermind. Let's get into it. 
BJ, it is now time for our Mundaring Hotel WA Racing Mastermind Jockey versus Trainer Challenge. This is heat number three. And who have we got today, BJ? Heat three, we've got Sarah Childs representing the trainers and Chris Parnham representing the jockeys. But uh, first of all, our um, the competition is brought to us by the Mundaring Hotel, which has been the heart of the hills since 1899, located in Jacoby Street, Mundaring. Feed, flutter, Froffies, uh, Big Deck, go up and see Ian Butchio, kind of the publican, if you get an opportunity, if you're in the neighbourhood, and let him know that you listen to the one one. Sarah Childs, once upon a time, the gay of the gas going. Where have you been, Sarah? Welcome to the one one. Uh, I've been on a bit of sabbatical. <laughs> on a sabbatical? <laughs> what, are, yeah. what, where, where, what are you up to these days? You still got you still got your trainer's licence, obviously. You still got a couple yeah, of horses in yeah. work? Um. Not at the moment, but I've got a few babies that are going to come in very soon, so I'm a bit disappointed my sleepings are over. Oh, very good. Very good. Um, of course, yeah, Sarah, Sarah was a leading child, uh, leading trainer in Geraldton for quite some time. Um, did a bit of work with Toddy Harvey there for a while, and now uh, what, do you, what do you tell the listeners what you're up to outside of thoroughbred horse training? Um, just working at Australia Post and, yeah, enjoying fair bit of free time, which I'm not used to. Very good, very good. And an avid listener of the 1-1 one, one and um, uh, has a go at the mastermind mo- most weeks, Sarah tells me. <laughs> so Chris Parnham could be uh, could be in for a, uh, a real challenge here today. Chris I Parnham, <laughs> Chris Parnham, welcome back to the 1-1, one, one, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. Good to be back on. Uh, w Oaks Day coming up on Saturday. Usually your one of your big days. You've won a few of them. Um, what can we look forward to for your rides this weekend? Um, yeah, Katie Jen's in the Oaks. She should go pretty good. Pretty pretty weak edition. Um, I think just about any of them can win. But I'm um, probably more looking forward to Alaskan God. Yeah. And all yeah. Good stuff. yeah, Alaskan God in the... Uh in the Malvista, of course, Riley, and Bazoom is resuming as well uh, in a uh, undercard race. Have you ha- have you had a feel of Bazoom this prep, Chris? Yeah, I go up there on Tuesday, and um, she go up pretty good, so she's drawn good. Yeah, I reckon she'll run pretty well. Excellent. All right, all right. So we got Sarah Childs representing the trainers, Chris Barnum representing the jockeys. It's our uh, heat three of our tournament, trainer versus jockey tournament. Sarah and Chris, your names are your buzzers, and to be crowned this week's mastermind, you'll need to be the first contestant to answer three questions correctly. Sarah Childs, are you ready? Not really, but let's go. <laughs> Chris Parnham, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Three, two, one. Who am I? I am now a retired five-year-old gelding who had a 20-start race career, winning in two of those races. I broke my maiden at my fourth start down in Bunbury in 2020, but I was best known for my victory in the Melvista Stakes when I defeated Perth Cup winner Midnight Blue in 2020 when leading all the way. Chris. Chris. (laughs) Red Hot Tip. Correct. Correct. There it is. One nil. Ding ding. Uh, do you want to finish the rest of the Who Am I? This is a real whitewash. 
I then went on to run second after completely bungling the start in the WATC derby behind Tuscan Queen, but perhaps following my win in the Melvista, I was best known for a trip down to Albany, where I was beaten in a photo finish in the final Jericho Cup qualifier over 3,100 metres by a horse that had almost drowned only days earlier. <laughs> sacks on, sacks off. Sorry, Terry. <laughs> and were they allowed to claim in that race? Or? Uh, we, yeah, we don't know about that. <laughs> I had one more preparation after this, culminating in my final race start in the 2021 Kalgoorlie Cup, where I was the subject of an extraordinary betting go to start favourite before injuring myself during the race. My regular race rider was Ryan Hill. I was trained by SJ Miller, and my race name is three separate words, the first of which being a colour. Red hot tip. Red hot tip. Uh, Mitch McClenny led plunge in the Kalgoorlie Cup, I'm led to believe. So, um, yeah, yes. I think he's still suffering the aftermath <laughs> of that. Chris Barnum won, Sarah Childs yet to score. Okay. Multiple choice. How many WA Oaks has Adam Durant trained? Two? Three. Chris. Zero. Oh. Off to a fly. Off to a fly. <laughs> Didn't even let me finish. That is correct. <laughs> Remarkably, Adam Durant is yet to train a WA Oaks winner and he'll be settling up the favourite. Constant dreaming on Saturday. All right, Childy. We're, uh, no, this is terrible. No, you're right. You're right. Chris is uh, Chris has already had had a couple of goes, so he's a uh, he's a experienced mastermind. It's contestant. All right, Sarah, I got whitewashed on the uh, mastermind by Lockie Taylor. As well, so <laughs> <laughs> you're not the first, and you certainly won't be the last. All right, here we go, Sarah. Who? Okay, so who was the trainer who ended Team Williams' run of six? WA Oaks victories. Three. <laughs> <laughs> He's slow. Oh, my God. Chris Barnum. David Harrison. David Harrison, of course. David Harrison has uh, – he trained Lunar Impact to win last year's WA Oaks. Chris Barnum, bang, 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 3-0. Sarah Childs. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know – you knew the answers, yeah? Yeah, I just want to listen to more of the questions. <laughs> Chris is too fast. Chris is too fast. He's too good, and he is shortened right in on the uh, on the futures markets here for the trainer jockey tournament. Chris Parnham, once again, you are the mastermind. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's um, still a bit for Sarah because you do improve with a run under your belt. <laughs> um, yeah, no, nah, it's good to to win again. Another $100 voucher heading your way, mate. Um, congratulations. You are the mastermind. You move into the semifinals of the tournament. Sarah Childs, really appreciate you jumping on, especially at such late notice. And um, hopefully we get you, we'll get you back on the mastermind. Yeah, Have if I come crack. back, put me against the class one or something. <laughs> <laughs> back, in my, back in my grade, thanks. <laughs> well done, Sarah. Thanks a lot. Good luck with the young horses coming through and catch up with you soon. Chris, mastermind, we'll be in touch with you in a couple of weeks for a semi-final showdown. Good luck on the weekend and thanks again, guys, for having a go. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks for that. Chris Parnham, he's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, pretty uh, pretty authoritative there. Yes, that's for yes. sure. Uh, Pansy, you of course. If Sarah's it. looking for a class one galloper next time, we yeah. might have to put her up against Kieran Evans or Kyle <laughs> Potter. <laughs> have a, we could have a, uh, a like a three person mastermind. That oh, would be it would that, take that, way that. too long. <laughs> Way too long. That would be incredible. So round one, we had, uh, let's do a recap. Where are we at? Round one, we had Mitchell Pateman. He saluted 
for the trainers these days. Always getting confused there. He saluted. So the trainers got off the mark with uh, with victory, and then Geordie Turner uh, sat up on the line, but still got the uh, got the verdict there for the hoops taking on Luke Fernie last week. So that was one all trainers, then jockeys, and now Chris Parnham salutes for the trainers, uh, for the jockeys rather. And uh, two jockeys are through the semis, one trainer. So we need, uh, we've got a couple of people in line for next week's fourth and last heat before we move into the semifinals. So uh, looking forward to to that one. And um, yeah, Chris Parnham looks like he's uh, he's the man to beat. Very sharp, isn't he? Very sharp. Very, very sharp. sharp. Pays pays attention, knows what's happening. But yeah, there was... Uh, I was surprised how quick he got that, who am I? Yes. That was very fast. Yes, yes. Red hot tip it was. Um, well, that's it The uh, for uh, this week's edition of the Mundaring Hotel WA Rast- Ma- Racing Mastermind Jockey versus Trainer Tournament. We move on to Heat 4 on next week's edition of the 1-1. And we're back with race five, the Heineken 3 handicap, 1,400 metres, rating 66 plus. Riley, any uh, Frankies in uh, race five of the day? No, no Frankies here, but it is a interesting race, this one. Mm. Um, there's a few there's a few horses that have been racing quite well, but I think there's a couple that stand out for me here that look like they're going to be fighting out the finish. Okay, so what are we talking market-wise? Who, who leads the way? We've got Lipstick Flickers, the top weight who's flying, racing so well for uh, Adam Durant this time in. She's, what, 290 hitting the market? Essentially no movement to this market so far. So the punters who have had a look this morning, the early shoppers have said that uh, our man Bradley McManus has got <laughs> this one bang on. Good on you, Brad. Um, yes, so the... Uh, Lipstick Flickers, 290. Second fave currently at the moment is Phone Me, 420. Third fave in single figures. The only other horse in single figures is Holy Ghost, who's racing very well as well. Let's talk about this speed map, Riley. Have you got Special View holding up in front with Lipstick Flickers coming across sitting outside leader? I do. I do. I think Special View will be far more aggressive from the gate here this weekend. Ballantyne did go on radio before last start, prior to last start, and said that there's no way they were going to be handing up, and there didn't seem to be any real intention at all to to even find the fence. Mm. So I think that this horse is best when out in front rolling. So they're going to try didn't, and hedge didn't it. handle being around horses at all the other day, did it? Not sort at of, all. No. So I think special view. You'll find a, you'll get an aggressive ride here from Sean McGruddy to so try and kick out and find the fence, which I think obviously means that lipstick flickers who will come across from Barrier Seven will find the breeze mm-hmm. for Vic Corver. So last start, lip, Lipstick Flickers breezed outside, housed the Serenity and beat her home. So that was an excellent performance. That was over 1,200. She rises to 1,400 metres on Saturday. Yeah, Devil's Advocate a little bit. and did breeze outside, housed the Serenity on what to the eye looked a really f- solid tempo, but was actually pretty moderate. So they weren't going too overly quick there. And Housa the Serenity was racing quite fiercely on that day, which probably left her running a bit out of petrol late and was still strong enough to get the better runner was to get the better of her late but i'm just i'm just not i have my reservations on whether how strong this horse can be from sitting in the breeze out to the 1400 meters Mm -hmm. and i think that if there are going to be horses who are who are race their best at this trip not too far away when they do turn for home on the corner that there might be a bit of question marks there and that, that pressure is going to go on you're going to have horses the likes of phone me isn't going to be too far away here or a star is going to come across from barrier nine and find a spot where, just in where, behind where do you reckon he's that? he was a horse that i thought might run the risk of being three wide no cover here or a star 
at first I thought that, and then I had to look through this field and I thought, what are these horses, the likes of Holy Ghost, Megazone, Ex-Celestial, Point Take, and even Fred Dag, what are these horses going to do? Out the back. They're going to be out the back, which leaves, there's only five horses in the field who are really going to be desperate to find a spot close to the speed. <laughs> it almost depends on whether Chris Parnham wants to be leaders back on phone me or not. If he's, if he's, if he gets crossed by Brooklyn Pier, it almost opens up a position for Kia or a star to drop into, doesn't it? It opens up a beautiful position yeah. for Kia or a star to slot in. 1-1. One, one. The 1-1. One, one. Mm. Which is where I'm going in this race. I've been waiting for Kia or a star to get back to this trip for a little while now. And while the map does look a little awkward, as you have touched on mm. on paper, there's no doubt in my mind that if he follows Lipstick flickers across there's going to be a spot for him and Rewilla as with uh, all these other horses that we've touched on that are just going to go back and they're just going to sort themselves out at the back of the field I think there's only a handful of horses here who are going to want to find a spot and he's going to be one of them the fact he won't lead here or find the breeze I really like because yep. I actually think he's a far better horse when he does take a sit he went really fast in front the other day he last did. Saturday he yeah. very fast out so in front. He, he's crossed from six to lead over 1200 last Saturday set up I think it was one of the fastest races of the day. So for him to box on and be only beaten two lengths on the line was, was meritorious, I thought. So in a much better race than this. Go back three starts in a 72-plus behind Kenny Luck over the 1,200 metres, and he's basically sat last, and he's run home in the fastest last 400, 200 splits of the entire meeting mm. that day. So that's the strength of what he can do when he isn't leading or breezing on when a really fast cover, tempo, yeah. when he's yeah. got some cover. So there is still an air of uncertainty about where he does land in the run, but gee, if he can find the back of lipstick flickers from Barry nine, I'm going to be very quietly confident and I've marked him $8 and the $12 will get me involved here. That's enough for me to have a bet on Kia or a star race number five. Okay. Very good. Um, yeah. Terry was big on the, uh, the Roy and Brad set up last week and um, got uh, got one of them home in big butter boom. So, yeah, Kiara Star is racing really well. Uh, a lot depends on whether we can slot him into the 1-1 or whether he gets sort of stranded. But even if he gets stranded, he, he's a he's a kind of horse who might be might be okay to, but he's to sort of box on. But in terms of what enhances his winning chances, he just needs that bit of cover, I think. I do. I uh, think he's a far better horse when he just finds some cover. Yeah. Okay, I thought, I thought Lipstick Flickers is doing everything right. Even that third behind Kenny Luck comes a time ran second in that race. She was three wide, no cover the entire. Prior to that, bolted in the Pearl Classic at Pinjarra. And uh, prior to that, first up for Adam Durant, ran second in the Munger Up stud sprint, the Mount Barker sprint there back on January 23. So she's flying. Uh, if she even, if for some reason Special View doesn't step or gets squeezed up early and this Lipstick Flickers ghosts across and finds the rail in front. It's just about game over, I think. But from the breeze, um, still going to be really, really hard to beat, but could be a touch vulnerable late, especially at the 1,400 metres. Phone me. What do you do with phone me? I actually thought phone me was pretty good the other day. Like, he's, he followed Bragwell, and if he had Bragwell's – I think it was just a matter of the, the gates. Bragwell drew one gate inside him, and which meant that he was able to hold one pair closer than – phone me and just the way that the race shook out and shaped phone me was just never able to be close enough and Bragwell just happened to be in the perfect position prior to that just bolted in when three wide three wide with cover peeled and launched at him and it was probably a bit stiff buying great charade from gate one midweek three starts ago so he's got gate one Saturday I think he's going to be in the finish I don't know if rail 
picking up sprinting is necessarily phone me's go. Mm-hmm. I think he's more of a cuddle, roll, peel, pounce type horse. That's so the perfect way I would describe phone me yeah. as a horse is cuddle, roll, peel, yeah. get to the outside of runners. Yeah. Yeah. That that start behind Great Trade where he was unlucky when he was held up and he drew barrier one and he was hemmed away on the fence. He just never looked happy horse. No. No. No, and he doesn't need a lot to go wrong. Phone me for him to, to sort of for it not to, not for him not to uh, produce. But he's racing well. Don't get me wrong, and he's a chance. The horse that I really wanted to be on, but I just can't map him, and I, it's just going to be hard. It's going to be a tough watch. Is five Holy Ghost? I think Holy Ghost is flying, flying, absolutely flying. So his his chase home comes a time. It's just Holy Ghost. Yeah, it's, it's just, just hol- a typical Holy Ghost run. But he comes through that Kenny Luck uh, race as well, and he was super late. Um, prior to that was fourth resort man. Um, I think he's in career best, Holy Ghost. But you're right, he's, what's he, two from 29? Um, but he's going to be last. So Definitely for Barry 10. He's going to be last. It'd be nice if he could maybe come across with Kiora Star and try to drop in, or even if Kiora Star gets posted, I, I just posted through. As, as you've mentioned before, I don't think he can go around them and win. No. That's the thing, is yeah. that Brad Parnham's going to have to pick his runs through the field here if he is going to win the race, whereas it's whether or not you want to put $5, it's pretty thin, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, racing super well, and just if you ignore his record, just focus on his form, this prep, then he has to be a winning chance, but... I think you might be right here. I reckon it's, it, it's a lipstick key or a star. I think they're going to fight out the finish here. Um, and, and it all just depends on, wh- on whether Brad's able to uh, navigate his way in, into, into a cover position in running. So otherwise it does look lipstick's race to, to lose. I, I actually, this horse is sort of teasing everyone and has done for a long time now is Fred Dagg. But Jet Stanley to Jason Whiting, gate three, Drops a hell of a lot of weight. Um, he sort of forget he went around last Saturday. It was a bit of a nothing, nothing race. Got almost fell on the line. Uh, was in a bunch. Of, even though he was beaten six point seven, it was Stella Fair and um, Gold Merits, and I think it was like five or six lengths back to third. So wouldn't be surprised to see a, a random sort of uh, cheeky run from Fred Dag, maybe third or fourth, something like that. But the way that you've outlined your your thoughts on Kiora Star makes sense. And for me, Lipstick Flickers is the no-brainer who's going to be up on top of the speed, out of trouble. So um, looks like it's uh, it's between those two for, for me. Yep, same two for me as well. Kiora Star, the way I'm going, but Lipstick Flickers deserving favourite, very hard to beat. Okay, race six is the Crown Perth Handicap. Nice little race this. This is a 78 plus 1,200 metres, pans down, Bazoom, Shantalk, Charlton, Eddie, we've got Cryptic Love, who was huge in the Bunbury Stakes. Uh, Watch Me Dance resumes. It's a lovely little 78-pluser before the big three-old features. What are your thoughts on uh, on this race here, Riley? My thoughts here. This is an interesting race. There's you want to start with the map? What are you thinking? I'm thinking Charlton, Eddie will lead from three. Mankind mm-hmm. will probably find the breeze from barrier five. Yes. I've got Bazoom mapped, leaders back, mood swings, one, one, and Shantalk and Pans Down, probably the pair behind those with Watch Me Dance, Cryptic Love, and Floyd out the back. back. Yeah. Yeah, mine was just what's Paddy Carberry going to do with Pans Down? Will Holly, he, will Holly he, Watson. Oh, sorry, Holly Watson. Will she allow Bazoom to, to cross her or will Bazoom have to fall back and follow Pans Down? So. That's the that's that, the that could be the that's, race. That's the key. To that this could map, be the race. Yeah, I think, um, I think that Bazoom 
although has stepped slowly, did step slowly last start in the WA Guineas. I think Bazoom has shown gate speed in the past and I think that Bazoom can hold up leaders back here from Fresh two. as well. Fresh yeah. might have that bit of bit of spunk first up as well where it can sort of step and hold. Yeah. I can't see them going too hard out in front here. I think Charlton Eddy first up always gets better into a prep. I don't think Jordan Turner's going to go handlebars down finding the fence here. I think Mankind will be happy to just sit in the breeze off mm-hmm. a relatively moderate tempo here. But I've this race for me, I've zeroed in on two runners and one of them has been incredibly well supported <laughs> in early markets. Tell us about that. Bazoom opened up this morning at $3 and is now currently sitting at $2.40. So there's been a flurry of money this morning for Bazoom. The the, pro, the X Factor, you think of the race, the three-year-old on the minimum up against the older horses. So yeah, Bazoom's been really supported in early markets. And this to me just reeks of Danny Morton being very confident that she must be flying at home to get her back to the races without having a look around Lark Hill or Belmont uh, at the trials. She's just one of these horses that has this devastating turn of foot, as we saw in the, was it the Burgess Queen? Burgess Queen, yes. Burgess Queen. Knocked off Search and Rocks, and uh, Treasured Star was an unlucky fifth. Yeah. She she should land in a really nice spot and running from the gate, cuddled up for one last crack at them, and Chris Parnham hops off last start winner Mood Swings, who he is two out of two on to ride her. So if that isn't information enough to warrant really taking notice of how she may be going and how he must have felt after galloping her during the week, then mm. I'm not sure what, what other information you'd need. Um, the thing about Bazoom is last, she was sort of a bit flaky early. Bazoom was like a bit of a gunner. And then all of a sudden she won midweek because she ran second. Uh, she started equal favourite with a horse called Sprightly Star at Northern and Sprightly Star sort of whacked her and it was like, oh, what is Bazoom? But we didn't know at the time that Sprightly Star was could have been anything, and unfortunately, um, yeah, unfortunately, her, uh, her, her career racing career finished. But Bazoom then came to a midweeker, four hundred metres at, at Ascot, wins. Three days later, knocks off the very highly regarded Hardly Ever in a very fast twelve hundred metre race at Ascot, sixteenth of October, comes out. And then just devastating bang in the Burgess Queen. I was like, oh, hang on, like a, a horse has arrived here. That was a remarkable win. That yeah. was just unbelievable. It was like she, just the way like that was, you could tell that was, she just peaked at that moment. Then obviously you push on to Champion Phillies and the WA Guineas. Champion Phillies, she was brave. And WA Guineas, you could just tell that she, the, she, the, the preparation had blunted her and probably the mile had blunted her as well. But she was still brave, finishing fifth behind Treasured Star, coming from sort of backish. But First up, uh, with that prep under her belt where she just kept improving, 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 you imagine with the uh, with the run she's likely to get, if the gaps appear and she's anywhere near right and that turn of foot's there when Chris asks her for it, like, she's pans down, it's going to have to be right on top of his game to match her. Yeah, pans down's the other runner. Mm. Um was was good last start given the circumstances. Once Zebel came out, the smart money came for Acro Manchela, who was able to find the front incredibly soft and was always going to be but difficult to run perfect, down from there. Perfect from Joey as a party on yeah. Acro that like just gave gave nothing, gave those horses didn't give them any chance of running down at all. So. Yeah, and Pat Carberry found the back of the hundred and one dollar pop in running and yep. had to pop out really early to get going to keep keep him in the race and I thought given what happened in that race and what happened prior to the race with Zebul getting scratched and was probably going to add that element of pace and pressure up front with Acro Manchela, he was still really good. He gets four and a half kilos in his favour for beating Shantork last start who 
actually did have his back in the run. I thought Shantor was really good, but you're right, there was a big weight swing towards um, her that day, yeah. And I don't mind Holly Watson going on here. Um, She's not a jockey that's going to panic when she's tucked away three back the fence with a smother, which I actually think might be beneficial in just really saving him up for that one last crack up to the 1,200 metres. I think we saw last prep there was a couple of those wins at Ascot where he was really hemmed away on the fence, and he's not afraid to get get another horse out of the way and really sprint through those gaps when they do appear. Mm. Just, I'm just thinking, is, can Pansdown come from behind Bazoom and beat her? I don't think he can. But that's going to be the race, isn't it? Whether Pansdown can hold that spot on the back of Charlton Eddy or whether Bazoom and Chris Parnham are really keen to grab that. But it's, I think it's an absolute line ball call I think it just depends how It just depends how quickly Charlton Eddy uh, and Mankind go in front early and how whether it stretches the stretches the field or not. So I'm, I'm 290 the pair. So. I, was, I was actually... Three dollars the pair. I had a lot of respect for Shantora. She's a really, really good mare. Um, just trying to work out where she gets to in running. She probably she probably slots in behind mood swings. Probably a one-off three I've got back. Her back of mood swings. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think they want to go too bananas on Shantork at this stage of a prep because they've probably, like Bazoon, they're going to be going to the two mares features coming up. It's the Marjorie Charleston on Good Friday and two weeks later is the Sheila Gwynn stake. So there's two fillies and mares races coming coming up that Bazoon, Shantork, Watch Me Dance, Cryptic Love, those type of mares will be heading towards. So this is a bit of a stepping stone race for those. So keep that in mind with Shantork because you know that she can go forward if they want her to, but whether they want to play that card at this stage where a prep or just let her sort of um, blend in, sort of peel and sort of um, run on on Saturday. That might be the the plan of attack, especially from the draw. It just doesn't give them a w- little – it doesn't give them too much wiggle room to get it wrong. So you don't really want to – having a gut buster at this stage where a prep. So. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I also think that uh, from what we've seen so far in their careers at Pantsdown, if there is a fair bit of rain around, Pantsdown loves loves a bit of getting a bit of toe into the ground. So I think yeah, that will benefit point. her if there is a bit of rain around on Saturday. But, yeah, 290, the pair of them. Uh, at the prices at the moment, I'd be leaning Pantsdown. But I think how the map shapes early in the race is going to be hold all the all the chips. Yeah. Oh, look, I wanted to be on Bazoom, but I've I've – I'm going to have to revisit my market, I think, to to have a closer inspection. I didn't think Bazoom would be $2.40 yeah. uh, this morning. I thought Bazoom might be around that sort of $3.50, the same price that Pans Down is now being first up, no trial off a fair bit of a break. So uh, the $2.40 is thin, but mm. I can definitely see why the money has come and come in uh, come in droves so early. Yeah, the map makers, it's, that's, the, that's the big piece of the puzzle here, isn't it, to see – whether Pans Down wants to hold leaders back at the 1200 or whether it's happy, Holly's just happy to come out neutral. Let, come out, let mm. him come out, sorry, him come out and just comfortable, mm. get in a spot. Early is going to be interesting. So also bet, bet fair is going to be interesting as well. Pans Down can sometimes be a horse that, that fades late in the market as well. He can get out, which, is, which so. is great for his supporters. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see how this shapes out. But another another really nice race on Oaks Day to to consider with plenty of talent engaged. So that's uh, that's race six, the Crown Perth handicap, mate. Riley, this is an absolute ripper. I reckon this is the best Melvis, one of the best Melvista stakes I can remember. Race seven, twenty two hundred meters. The final Colts and Geldings lead up to the WATC Derby in two weeks' time. The Melvista, what a 
what a race this has shaken out to be. It's a $125,000 set weights and penalties for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings. Absolute ripper. Riley, take it away. This is fantastic, isn't it? This is just a terrific addition of the Mel Vista Stakes, and there's so many there's so many different angles you can go at. You've got the horses coming out of the J.C. Roberts, the traditional lead-up, and then you've got the X-Factor horses, Alaskan God and Pale Rider, who are coming from different races who have been doing things that ultimately bring them right into this, even yep. though they haven't been in the traditional lead-ups. So beating the, beating very, the uh, older horses, yeah. Very fascinating race. Uh, I so, so just for context, last year's Mel Vista had six runners. Six runners. And it was a dollar eighteen Western Empire, Outback Jack, nine dollars, off we go and flash to Caddy. And that was it. Oh, that whole series was shocking last year. That whole but look look at look at this. This is this is quality three year old classic racing heading towards the Derby. I'm really looking forward to this. And uh which way are you leaning here, BJ? Well pretty, steer me in the right direction. I'm pretty keen Alaskan God. Look the, when you when you dissect the Roberts super fast race, um, which was which was not what we were expecting, I don't think, because usually these three old, everyone's a little bit wary of whether their horse is going to get eighteen or you know we're going to give them a bit of a cuddle in front, Rara, but that certainly wasn't the case for Pedinucky and him. He seemed he really rolled along until the eight hundred and set up what ended up being the fastest race of the day. That was a very one forty nine point three for eight hundred meters at Ascot is. Pretty rocking, especially for three-year-olds as well. Absolutely. Um, so that is that. That was a very fast, very so. Everything that comes out of that race is going to have a terrific platform heading towards the twenty-two hundred meters because that was a that was a really um, that yeah that was just such a great setup moving into stepping into the twenty-two hundred meters. So Rock and Ori just followed tricks of the trade everywhere he went. Zapped him late with the three kilo pull on the weights, but that was an excellent performance coming from a 1400 meter midweeker. So Rockinori's rapid rise to fame, bang, 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 12, 14, 18, wins a listed race, right? Grant Williams, Team Williams, geniuses. So Rockinori knocks off Tricks of the Trade. I thought Tricks of the Trade was still good. There was a gap back to third. Um, he just, he just, you know, got better, got beaten by the horse that stalked him throughout in Rockinori. So, but they've drawn 10 and 12, so they're going to, have to more than likely sort of drift back and try to blend in with some cover. Um, but for me, I just think it's and, – and we'll touch on quickly on Power Rider. Power Rider's um, – we'll talk about his preparation shortly, but he's knocked off the older horses over 1,800 metres last Saturday. Quick back up into this. He's run third in a Faritha last prep, ran in a WA Guinea, so he's got class as well. So we can't really sleep on him. But for me, everything just points towards Alaskan God. So he's resumed with a 400-meter Pinjara Maiden win. Then he's come to town. I actually thought that that class one 1,800-meter win was really, really good. Um, there was a few the – the jury was out as to how how good it was. But I, I just thought – I think he put that to bed last start. He certainly did. And the thing that was great about last start was he jumped from four but travelled and um, pu- pushed an older horse out the way. And then he's, Chris has sort of – balanced him up and then asked the question of Alaskan God and bang, things run the fastest last 200 of the day, uh, 1,800 metres uh, the day after the Roberts. So it was like a second slower than the Roberts. But to just the way that he did it, sort of chest puffed, head held high, it was just like this is just – that was just a very impressive performance from a horse who carries himself like a good horse. So from five uh, – That was a field of – 
some pretty seasoned yeah. handicap stayers as well. Like yeah. you had Wee Ripper in there, you had Barra Magic, you yeah. had there was another Justine Oakland's horse there as well. Asymmetric. Um, asymmetric, yep. yeah. They aren't they're, they're not slouches. They're not they're not um How many of the uh, how many other runners in, in this race could have done what Alaskan God did? I'm gonna say none. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking maybe Rockinori or maybe Tricks of the Trade, but in all seriousness, I don't know whether they would have spanked them in that same fashion. So um I agree. Yeah. I completely agree. And he gets some weight relief here as well, and he's always been earmarked by Danny Morton as this genuine staying prospect throughout his short career to date. He's drawn so beautifully barrier five for Chris Parnham just to hold a spot in midfield with some cover off the fence, and he does hop off Henchard to ride him as well. So yeah. that's a pretty big uh, pretty big telling point as well with Henchard right in the market there. I'm and pretty keen to ask him, God, the thing that, that worries me f- with gate five, especially in these sort of three-odd staying races is three wide lines, four wide lines. Does that mean that Alaskan God gets shuffled when they quicken? But Chris is a gun and he's going to work that out for himself. But let, let's just touch on quickly how you think the race is going to um, shape speed-wise because it's it's interesting. The There's a bit of speed drawn wide and I wonder if you have the same horses coming across as what I do. What do you, who do you think is going to take up the running? I think Himi Singh will still want to be in a prominent position here, but I don't think they want to. They're going to want to go as quickly yeah. as they did last start. I don't think they'll want to lead. Yeah, Henshard's not a horse capable of winning if they go back from that gate. So I think they're going to chance their arm at finding a spot with some cover on speed, and they'll try and roll. Clint Johnson Portable roll from barrier fifteen. I think the two roughies for the Kersleys, Bandelier Bone, Alma Herman, will roll forward. I don't think. Let's Deal will be too far away. Outspoken Lad, Black Fantasy, both drawn out. If they go back, I don't think they have the turn of foot to be able to win, so I think they're going to try and push forward to hold a spot as well, mm-hmm. which probably leaves a bit of a clump of horses up the front there. Yeah, mine, this took me ages to, to settle on a map here. Yeah, exactly, and that probably leaves Alaskan God will be thereabouts midfield. But cluttered up. One off the mm-hmm. fence is where is where I've got him yep. marking up. Dezengo is going to be four back the fence. Then you've got the horses who are going to be happy to just sit out the back. Rockinori, Vavinsky has no early Speed, Pale Rider's going to be out the back, Tricks of the Trade and Tell Nothing, the Ruffy. So. Rockinori as well. Exactly yeah. right. So you're going to have this quite messy map of horses who are going to all want to try and sit midfield or just better than, who aren't going to be desperate to lead. And it's going to definitely just oh, – there's no way there isn't going to be a three-wide moving line here. So Devil's Advocate is Alaskan God, does get cluttered up in that second one-off-the-fence line and having to – bustle horses out of the way to get into galloping room mm-hmm. coming into the straight. It could definitely bring him undone, but I'm going to back Chris Parnham in to keep him out of trouble and think that on the weekend he can firmly cement himself the top seed for the derby here on the weekend. So <laughs> I'm going to side up with Alaskan God. Me too, yeah. I'm thinking Black Fantasy, Henchard, Outspoken Lad, they're the sort of horses that are going to want to um, come across from high draws to, to land on top of the speed and, and set the race up from there. I can see, as far as three wide lines concerned, maybe uh, Let's Steel getting stoked up early from the 700, rolling into the race, Power Rider tacking on, Rockinori tacking on to him, Chicks of the Trade tacking on, the, those, th- those sort of, that line of horses coming into the race. If... Alaskan God can can hold a spot and be within striking distance with momentum. I don't know if they can if they can outgun him late. Just the, just that turn of foot he showed at the end of eighteen hundred meters the other day. Um, so wanna, impressive. Did you want to touch on Pal Rider? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you we we spoke briefly before we started recording. Tell me about the preparation for Pal Rider and and how how that gives you some concerns leading into the Mel Vista. 
does give me a little bit of concern the the step bit of a rush prep <clears throat> the steps that this horse has been taking into this race it's a Gives me the vibe that it's a little bit rushed. He's gone from a 1,400 midweek race to 10 days later running, stepping up to the 1,800 metres, and as impressive as that win was last week, it was super. He's then going seven more days up to 2,200. So in 17 days, he's gone 1,400, 1,800, 2,200, whereas these other horses have had more set preps. They've been targeted at these races. They've raced in the lead-ups. They're heading to the derby. This was a horse that wasn't really in the picture until less than – three weeks ago. So mm-hmm. although this horse has a huge amount of ability, I think, and is definitely quality, looks, yeah, looks it's a got quality some. staying type of horse, I've just got my reservations about the prep. What were your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. I just, I just really liked, I don't know how much Ted Martinovich would be doing with this horse between races. I imagine very little, but I just liked the way that when the race was there to be won last Saturday, really he, he, he was just like, you know what, like, I'm, I'm winning today. Like, grit the teeth. Grit the teeth, it got it done. Joey has a party, sort of strong rider. He loved that. And it was just a good... It was just a good 1,800-metre win against older horses. Admittedly, Piccolis and you as a fellow three-year-old as well. No, she's four. She's four no, now. Four, four now, yeah. So against the older horses, uh, sh- yeah. And that was three wide line backish, improving sort of down the end and working over the, working them over late. So I imagine Joe, Joey will be looking to sort of employ similar tactics. Yeah, I'm. I think if there's if there's a knock on Power Rider, then he's have he's had he's been asked to do a lot in a short period of time, whereas the other horses have had the more sort of traditional standard sort of preparation. Even Alaska God has had to sort of cut a few corners to get into the get in line with the Melvista into the Derby, but not as severely as um, Power Rider. But yeah, I, I really like Power Rider as a horse. I just love this race. Um, for me though, I think I think with even luck in running, uh, clear galloping room, momentum. I think it's geez, Alaska God's going to be so hard to beat. Yep, agree, agree. Right. So, what, what? Before we leave this race, what price are they talking at the moment? Two dollars eighty, Alaskan God. God. Okay, tricks of the trade four sixty, Rockinori four sixty. Anything else? Single figures, maybe Henchard. Henchard's eleven into nine dollars. Okay, all right. So yeah, really good edition of the Melvista. Can't wait. A um, lot of lot of the people people who have had all of the punters that have had their WTC Derby future bets will be sort of eagerly awaiting the uh, the result of this one. So I mean, if Alaskan God whacks Our man them, Latham, the number one ticket holder on the uh, Alaskan God <laughs> bandwagon. bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Lath. Um, so yeah, we'll. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a good pointer towards the Derby in two weeks' time for me. Pretty keen, Alaskan God, but you can never ride off the class of tricks of the trade and a real up and comer like Rockinori. I'm just super excited for the race. It's going to be a cracker. It's going to be a cracker. All right, let's move on to the big one, the headline act. It's the City of Belmont, WA Oaks, time honoured for the three-year-old fillies, 2,400 metres. In the mastermind, we asked the question, Riley, how many WA Oaks winners has Adam Durant trained? And remarkably, he is yet to saddle up a WA Oaks winner. However... He does settle up the very short price favourite. Pretty good chance here. Constant dreaming on Saturday. Been some more support today as well. I think when we got into the studio here, a couple I'm positive of them, we had a two in front of it when we walked in. It, when we walked in, it was two dollars fifteen. Now one ninety five. So in the red now. Constant dreaming in the WA Oaks. Now, what did you make of her Natasha Stakes win? Really good. Mm. 
Really good. Didn't get it all her own way either, which I think she actually had to do a bit of work there when Phil Stanish did come across. And Clint Johnson-Porter was comfortable enough not to take to take all bad luck out of the equation when he was on Fields Danish's back to actually pop off and sit in the breeze. And when they were approaching the 600, it was travelling far better than the rest of the field and thought the wind was still pretty soft on the line. She just looks a genuine stayer. But I have a feeling that this race is going to be run very differently to how they ran the Natasha. So, Tell me, tell me what you think. Well, I just think that Fields Danish, how is Fields Danish going to win this race if you ask Holly Holly Taylor and Troy Turner, how are we going to win this race or how are we going to give us ourselves the best chance of winning this we, race? We need to establish a gap between we us and Constant to Dreaming. Nick it. Yep. We need to nick it. So I'm expecting to see Fields Danish set them alight at the 800 here. She's obviously, Troy Turner's going to come across from barrier 10, try and find the top. And which, when he inevitably does do, because I can't see any of these other horses really desperate to hold him out on her, he's going to light him up mm. at the 800. And I think he's going to put some serious tempo into the race, which we haven't actually seen in these uh, three-year-old lead-ups for the girls so far. So I think that makes for a very fascinating race. And whether you want to take $2.15 about constant dreaming in a race, it's going to shape very differently to what she's, what she's done so far. Well, it, it almost thinks it, – it looks like she's going to be Breeze Horse again, yeah? I've, I've got her in the Breeze. Yeah. Or just in behind Fields Danish. Yeah, she might, she might be able to cross to the rail. Fields Danish works forward, crosses her, and she holds rail rather than pops off. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I tend to think that Troy Turner's going to chance his, chance his arm here and, and have well, a he crack. Well, he has to. I think he'd be silly not to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that – Fuels Danish, often rolling, constant dreaming, the class runner, stalking, giving chase. Clint Johnson, the porter, is going to be weighing up. How, how, um, what does he do with Fuels Danish? Does he let it get too far away? Uh, uh, does he, does he give it a little bit of, a little bit of leeway or does he just stay on Fuels Danish's hammer as much as he can? Does that bring any of the closers into the race? For me, for me, there's two horses that I wanted to touch on. Uh, I think we share one. What do you, what what do you make of Arcadia Gem? Bit of a slow burn. Didn't, her, didn't mind the way that she hit the line the other day, and I I I believe that Chris Parnham will follow Constant Dreaming everywhere CJP goes. I think she to sum it up will stay all day. Yeah, and she was just terribly suited by that tempo in the Natasha when she got an absolute mile out of her ground that yep. day and. If they do run this race as differently as I think they will, then she's going to be – she's very much going to appreciate it being more genuinely run and I should think she's definitely going to make her presence felt. Whether she wins or not, I'm not so sure, but mm. you're getting a price to find out. Might and even get better, I think. I think you will get better. Yeah. I think you will get better. And the other runner, the other uh, Cerise and White runner, Mrs. America, I thought was huge last start when doing try, – or trying to do absolutely everything <laughs> wrong – Poor old Sean McGrady. I know. Hey? Gee whiz. Oh, that was uh, Get your riding fee there. That was a nightmare ride, Mrs. America. So let's have a look at this. Crossover noseband on, earmuffs on, lugging bit off, nose roll off, tongue tie off. These are all the changes that Grant Williams has had to uh, lock in with Mrs. America lead going from a Natasha into a W Oaks. Is it, you, is it too many? Is there to too many question marks here? Did you manage to catch what Sean McGrady said post-race? Yes. Yeah. He said, "With more tempo in that race, we would have been winning." Yeah, yeah. He also said it was the it was the hardest ride of his life. So, 
Um, Paddy Carberry on. I imagine that probably going to be pretty quiet on her, not annoy her early. And um, she's building towards a peak performance, Mrs. America. But is she clued on enough? Does she have? She can she win the mental battle to be able to put it all together on Grand Final day? That's that's Grant Williams. That's Team Williams. This so. is the this is the Grand Final stable. Yeah. So. I think that the extra tempo Fields Danish puts on here will definitely benefit Mrs. America and hopefully help her to settle a bit better in the run. But it's just there's just so many there's so many questions and queries I have about this race. I just can't put my finger on on a specific runner that I really like, that I really want to bet on. So Grant Williams, six W Oaks in a row before Harrow knocked him off last year with Lunar Impact. He's got he's got Arcadia Gem and Mrs. America for this recent white in this edition. So for, it feels as though we're thinking they're the two that can emerge and maybe take it up to constant dreaming. But is there another, Riley? Is there another? <laughs> well, because <laughs> I think you, I think we're heading in this in the, in I the really, similar direction here. I really like the run of one of the outsiders of the field, Lady Chant, from a very different form line, and I know she's still a maiden. And she's the only maiden in this field, I believe, with uh, Harvey's Angel winning last start. Mm-hmm. Arcadia Gem, another maiden yep. in the field as well. But I thought that was a massive run. Sean McGrady never got clear air until around the 200-metre mark, and Queen of Jerusalem, although once they straightened, was further behind her, she got this beautiful run through where he was able to pick his way through and get up on the line. The way Lady Chant hit the line late there, I thought that was a massive run. Yeah. yeah. Of course, that looks like she'll only get better with more distance. Sean was very reluctant to circle on Lady Chant. He was almost waiting to get up inside and cut the corner. In doing so, though, it just just couldn't quite get the momentum or to be able to slice through. So he sort of had to come right back and had to bump his way out. I think it was um, on a Sharon Miller's horse. He sort of had to push his way out and bumped and became unbalanced at a crucial stage and then managed to pick up again and be beaten just over a half length on the line. I thought Quentin Jerusalem was really good as well. However, that run by Lady Chan was, oh, hang on, what have we got here? So I went back, had a look. This was a very expensive yearling. Lady Chant, so $180,000 yearling, this this uh, War Chant filly, from a, from a um, um, terrific uh, stakes-winning family. And I don't know, I reckon Lady Chant's going to go super here. So even though she's a bit mad price-wise, I think that the Oaks can, can sometimes throw up a bit of a wobbly result. And I reckon Lady Chant might be that kind of uh, kind of horse who can throw a cat amongst the pigeons here. I agree. Mm. I agree. And uh, that $21 is certainly in Maddie territory. It is in Maddie territory. So, yeah, the WA Oaks, Constant Dreaming, is she's the one to beat. The, the money has come for a while. We've been recording odds on at the moment. Uh, that means that if she holds around the even money, even $1.95, $1.90, that means Betfair is going to be wild for some of the opposition here. So hold your hold your horses here. Wait for the exchange. You might be able to get some crazy overs here for some of the horses that you'd like. If you want to try to um, take on Constant Dream and try to get a beat, but um, but yeah, the uh, the Betfair Betfair uh, markets late are going to be the way to go. That's the way I'm going here. I'm hoping for some wild prices late, uh, particularly Lady Chant. So no real firm grasp on this race for me. Okay. 
All right, Riley. What time is it? It is get out steaks time, BJ. That is S T E A K S. Correct. First time I came on the show, <laughs> I absolutely butchered it. You've come a long way, mate. Uh, the extremely popular get out steaks is brought to you by Market City Meats. Largest retail butcher shop in Perth, located out at the Kenningvale Markets on Bannister Road. Timmy Hewitt, Tim and his team, they run the show. Drop in, say good day. Um, if you tell him and the guys out there at Market City Meats that you listen to the one one, they will look after you one hundred percent. So, congratulations to our episode one hundred and nineteen Get Out Steaks winner, Amy Dixon. Now, Riley. Amy is the wife of Mark Dixon. Amy, of course, is a part owner in both Watch Me Dance and Hear Me Sing, very lucky owner. And the luck continued with uh, Amy joining Mark as our first husband and wife Get Out Stakes winners. So quite a uh, quite a successful uh, winning combination there, Amy and Mark. So congratulations, Amy. Uh, too good. She was nearest the margin with her pale rider uh, prediction there. Uh, last Saturday in the Get Out Stakes. So, geez, that's going to be hard. To, that's going to be a record. That's going to be hard to top. Husband and wife combination winning the uh, – both winning the Get Out Stakes. Now, to enter this week's edition of the Get Out, race nine at Ascot this Saturday, hit us up at the 1-1 pod on Twitter. Let us know who you think will win and a decimal winning margin. I imagine that we're going to have one selection that's going to be – very popular. So it might come down to the yes. margin. So don't forget the second decimal because it could be all important come uh, when the judge has to make the final decision. And Riley, we can never forget the Sam White rule. Never forget that Sam White rule. The uh, first poster gets the meat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good. You don't so- want to be you don't want to be holding your holding your bullets for too long these days <laughs> because it's uh, very popular. So we want to make sure you want to get in early. Get in early, shop early, yes. And um, yeah, good on you, Sammy White. Shout out to Sammy. So it's race nine, WA Oaks Day. We're rolling into it. We've had the we've had the seventy eight plus ripping clash between Bazoom and Pans Down. We've got one of the great Malvista Stakes. We've got a very interesting WA Oaks. And how does the meeting conclude, Riley? It's the City of Belmont. Sorry, it's the Belmont. City of Opportunity Handicap, graduation, 1,600 metres. bit light on this contest to finish uh, what's a great days of racing. Yeah, pretty lousy finish. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to uh, conclude what does look a fantastic day of racing on Saturday. But what, was that? what was that grey horse that you guys had a share in? Oh, <laughs> Rogue's Point. I tell you what, Rogue's Point would be single figures in this race. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, get funny it. story with that horse. <laughs> funny story with that horse is that we'd we'd watch we'd watch him go round, and he he he'd be he'd open up at fifteen, sixteen dollars. We have got no expectations whatsoever. Yeah, and every single start he would jump seven dollars fifty, six dollars five fifty. This all this money would come, and our ownership group would be looking around, texting each other in our group chat, going. Who on earth is backing this horse? This horse that absolutely hates the winning post. <laughs> but still, look at this race, and you're like, geez, the rogue point wouldn't look out of place no, in this. So, certainly not. Um, but um, you got any horse at the moment? I do. Yeah? I do. Just got one with um, Tom Johnson from the Magic Million Sales, a two-year-old colt by a press statement. So Ooh. that's that's going to be with Michael Lane. We're pretty excited about this one. Tom well. Johnson, Bloodstock? TMJ Bloodstock, uh, shout out TMJ. Yes. Uh, he's uh, doing some good things there. We've got another one as well, um, 
a two-year-old with Michael Lane as well. So I've got two two-year-olds with Michael Lane at the moment through TMJ Whoa. and also have one with SJ Miller, uh, which has been racing a few times lately but has been a little uh, a little underwhelming so far, but we're hoping we What's can maybe pinch a maiden, a maiden soon, the big one. Okay, yeah, big one. Yeah, child good. Child, child good. really good, but... Uh, is yet to take that trial form to the races in full. So we're hopeful that we might be able to find a suitable race moving forward and be able to pinch one. Might need a bit more, just a bit more time, the big one, but uh, has some ability. So looking forward to uh, your racehorse ownership experience, Riley. Hopefully uh, TMJ can get off to a flyer. And Still haven't had a winner, BJ. So we've uh, <laughs> we've had about 10 second placings thanks to Rogue's Point throughout our career. So we're, uh, we're, it's, we're wearing thin in the ownership department. All right, all right. Hopefully the the brain trust at TMJ can turn things around there. Hey, uh, the, the lucky, the get out, the Belmont City of Opportunity Handicap, the Catalpa Stakes? It looks it, doesn't it? Sure does. What are we talking market-wise? $2.05 for Catalpa now after opening up this morning at $2.45, which I thought was probably the right price, mm-hmm. but uh, the punters disagree and think that $2.05 is more appropriate for the very impressive last start winner. Yeah, yeah. So the, the thing with this race is this speed. Um, plenty of it. Plenty. So we've got count the sessions. Uh, absolutely just handlebars down to Albany recently and is um, is probably going to employ similar tactics. Again, see, uh, from gate 10, uh, C-Wave from 12 comes across, no doubt, comes across with Count the Sessions. Snipper Gem, stablemate of Count the Sessions, has been leading in the Great Southern recently or racing on speed. What does Kate Witten do from 13? Does, does uh, that horse roll forward? Um, Recapitulate can lead on its day. Celebrity witness held a spot uh, in a shorter race when resuming the other day. She can she can lead over a mile as well. And Catalpa sat outside leader midweek and defeated Power Rider uh, last start. Power Rider, of course, we spoke about at length in the Mel Vista. So um, speedback's going to be interesting. I imagine there's probably going to be strung out because there's a few horses here. Man from Memphis, Old Town Predator, Tempest Mist, that sort of like going to be. Dragging, dragging their heels at the back of the field there. Um, Cable Guy is another horse that can hold up if he in a, in a position if he wants. So the only thing with Catalpa is uh, from nine, he's just got to slot in somehow. And the only way, real way I can see him getting beat is if he, get, if he gets posted three wide, no cover. He could probably still win posted yeah. three wide, no cover in this field, to yep. be honest. Um, I just think that this, this is just one of those races where you're either with the favourite or yep. you have no interest. Yeah. Um, I, if if you take out if you take out Seawaif and count the sessions is able to get across and find the fence and roll without any pressure, then you're probably thinking hmm, maybe Clinch on Porter gets rolling 500 out, really pinches a break on the turn, and they have some problems running him down. He's been in great form down in the Great South, but he's just going to have all this pressure and opposition up front there. Seawaif Troy Turner's is not going to let him get it soft. You've got. Snipper Gem, who I don't think they'll book Kate Witten to go back from 13. They're mm-hmm. going to go forward. Um, other runners, the likes of Recapitulate, likes to go forward as well and has done probably his, her, his, his best racing when he's gone forward as well. So first, I just think first start for Ryan Hill, Recapitulate. First start for Ryan Hill was yep. formerly with Helen Harding. Helen Harding, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's just whether or not um, the gate the, – the map for me was the stickiest part uh, for Catalpa because I really struggled to map where this horse would go, whether they just want to drop out to last and – or they try and push forward and try find a spot like they did 
during the midweek. It was only a seven-horse field, though, so it was able to just amble to the breeze off a pretty moderate tempo. Yeah, and it was just far home, too yeah. good. Yeah. It was just far too good for Pale Rider, who has franked the form but was first up, no trial, carrying 60.5 kilos. So I just have my reservations on it. Yes, it was a really nice win, but also there's aspects of it that I'm going, hmm, do I want to be taking even money about a horse that could potentially get parked deep? Maybe you need a lot of luck here. Mm, it, I, I was on first up at Pinjarra, first start for Grant Williams, formerly Dan Morton, Catalpa. Um, three wide, no cover the entire, and ran Yemen last to a half length on the line. Just kept coming. And if you look at that race, with 100 to go, Re- Yemen last is going to win by two, two and a half comfortably. And Catalpa uh, with Paul Harvey on board really surged. And I was like, ooh, gee, that was a good run. Three wide, no cover, first up, and just kept coming. Um, and Frank that with a with a really good midweek win, uh, had some favours, controlled really controlled the race from outside leader and power rider just couldn't get close enough to lay a glove on him. Um, but for me, it just feels like Catalpa's a young three year old, autumn three year old on the way up. These horses are where they are. Catalpa could smack him here. I think Catalpa could yeah. walk in here yeah. with the right run if Pat Carberry can find a three wide line or find some cover in this field, then he might absolutely belt these yeah, could to be finish a, off the day. Could be a belt. And the thing is, General Grant is probably, what, the second fave, really? Uh, <sighs> that just well, that just shows the strength General, of this field. General Grant was really good getting within a nose of Native Times, Bob of the Heads. However, General Grant's going to be – he. there's got so much speed here. He's going to be in a pretty awkwardly placed uh, running position from gate two with no real gate speed, General Grant. So he could be three-back, fence-ish – maybe further back, fence one off, cluttered up. Catalpa's going to be off and rolling. I just can't see it. So I can see why I was even money Catalpa, but he might even start in the red. I think there's a very high chance that Catalpa starts in the red on Saturday, and I think the punters might blast out with a win. <laughs> very good. All right. So I think w- you may need to, uh, if, if you don't uh, take a look at the take a look at the answers, you might need to bring out the Sam White rule on the weekend with yeah. all the uh, Catalpa get out stakes margins that'll be coming through, no doubt. So Mate, the Sam White rule's been going off. We've had three in the last five weeks, so it's been hectic. So get in early, I think is the, the Shop message. Shop early. If you're keen Catalpa, get your get in, get your margin in. Don't forget that two decimal places. Let's take a break. We'll be back with our best, our Maddies and our Lays for WA Oaks Day. And we're back with our Betfair best betting propositions for WA Oaks Day. Riley Morgan, what have you got? I think we all know what my best of the day is going to be, BJ. Race four, horse number 10, Buster Bash. Put in the book. Frankie. Frankie Worrell, that's a good one. Uh, I knew you were going to head in that direction. Does look a uh, perfect setup for Buster Bash. Uh, I'm going to go my Betfair best. I think this horse should just win. <laughs> Race three, number three, Speed Dream. Rolly Piercy, Jason Whiting, kept out of trouble. He's too good for them. First up, Speed Dream for me. Ho- like hoping it. to get hoping to get a like bit, bit more like uh, $3 Betfair exchange late. Yeah, okay. like it. Uh, your Maddie for WA Oaks Day. My Maddie actually comes up in the WA Oaks BJ. I'm going to make Lady Chant for Sean McGrady, horse number nine, race number eight, my Maddie on the weekend in the feature. I'm with you. That's my Maddie as well. There uh, you go. Double Maddie. Double Maddie. Double Maddie. Bring it on. Also, if Born to Try gets out to Maddie territory, that can be, um, even though Buster Bash is a absolute 
Morali. Uh, born to try. Just interesting to see whether it gets the wobbles out to $21 plus. But my Maddie for the day alongside Riley Morgan is in the W Oaks Lady Chant. And our lay for Oaks Day. Uh, pretty thin on the favourites. I think most of the favourites mm. are pretty well placed on the weekend. But race number five, I think phone me $4.20. That's a little bit of unders for me. So that'll be my lay of the day on Saturday. Found this one really hard as well, Riley. I'm going to I'm gonna go Snippalicious in race two of the day. That's my lay as well. Taking on a powerful combination there. Yes, to my detriment, no doubt. But, uh, but yeah, as you outlined, it's a sort of – it was a hard day to pinpoint something that you really thought was a bit wobbly and um, and Stippalicious uh, looks the, the way forward for me. Well, that was a great chat, Riley. Thanks for chiming in for the 1-1. One, one. Um, the guru, the Perth Racing Guru, Terry Layton, will hopefully be back on uh, next week for episode 121. But thanks, mate, for getting back on the show. I know you're a busy man. What did you make of our surroundings here at the Hen House? This is a great little spot, isn't it? How good. It'd be nice to record here every week. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice to record here every week. Nice, uh, to, get, uh, nice to get Terry back in as well once he's finished uh, erecting that statue. <laughs> he was pretty happy with himself, wasn't he? <laughs> hey, he was pretty happy with himself. That's so. not, like, not like him. No, so, but yes, big thanks to the Hen House. We've, we've, uh, we got pointed in this direction by a um, friend of the show, um, horse racing owner and uh, major participant in the game in Chris Nelson from Juicebox and uh, Perth Turf Talk. So Chris Nelson suggested this as an option and I think we're on a winner here, Riley. This is uh, this is a sweet setup here at the Hen House Podcasting Studio. So looking forward to getting back in here at some stage. Um, looking forward to getting you back on one day as well. That was a great chat. Previewed the Oak State card. Really looking forward to it. There's some really, really good racing to, uh, to look forward to on the weekend, as well as footies kicking off soon for you, mate, round one. Round one coming up on Easter weekend, so that should be uh, really looking forward to that. So have you played for Claremont your whole, whole junior life. career? Whole life. Right. It's, uh, it's a little strange pulling on the maroon and gold. <laughs> Be good to see you uh, out there amongst it, mate. So thanks again for uh, for chiming in on the one one, uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, thanks, producer Jen. No doubt you'll you'll appreciate the acoustics here at uh, the Hen House. Gamble responsibly, and until next week on the one one. Mm-hmm.